Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. ESPN's character and Smallman just gives you a good reason to play that song, which is my favorite driving along, playing super loud song. It's 7.01, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And with Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Randy. So that is your number one driving in the car, turn this up really loud song. It is, yeah. It's a really good song. Yeah, and it, I, it really sounds fun loud. Mine might be Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's another good one. That's a. I'm trying to think of other songs you just really need to scream at the top of your lungs. And that you can, and you you have to have, like Whitney allows you to sing at the top of your lungs because she had such a powerful voice. Yes, but you have to turn it up so loud that you can't hear yourself trying to hit Whitney notes because yep. it's not a good look. Yep, you're driving along and you're listening to Character and Smallman and obviously you can't sing along to us, but if you want to text in, First of all, we don't advocate texting and driving, but if you're at a stoplight <laughs> and you're going to cause somebody to honk at you, uh, text in your favorite driving along and listening to the music super loud, singing along song. Yes, let us know. I'll compile them. And maybe we can make a playlist. That's a good idea. Oh, Love that's a that. great idea. Great idea. How about our Cardinals? They knock off the Reds last night in 13 innings, 5-3. to three. How rare is it to see a 13-inning game these days? Pretty rare. There was a lot of rarities for the Cardinals in this game last night. It was... Very interesting. Since he scored two in the bottom of the third, he's a Quintana. But in the fourth, Goldie got on for Nolan. Pick up number 28 right here. Oh, boy. Down the left field line. Hooking gone. Off the foul pole. Like I said, pick up number 28 right here. Danny with another call. Of course. He's Nostra Daniel. Nostra Daniel strikes again. Now, speaking of uh, things that strike again, Randy Nolan Arenado having an unbelievable season. Obviously, he's in the conversation for the National League MVP with Paul Goldschmidt. How long does dad strength last, though? New dad strength. Is it a couple days that you get that residue? Is it an extension for weeks? Because I don't know how much of this is just Nolan being Nolan, or it's still a little boost from the birth of his daughter, Levi. I believe dad strength lasts longer when you get on the road. When he gets home for the weekend and has to be up at mm. the, in the middle of the night, I think it'll dissipate a little bit. Okay, good to know. 
Yeah. I don't. I obviously have never had dad strength, so I was just wondering mm-hmm. how long things like that linger. Arenado also had a leadoff double in the sixth. The Cardinals couldn't, couldn't get him home. In the seventh, second and third, one out, no runs. Neither team scored as they went to extra innings. And then in the tenth, but in the bottom of the eleventh, runners at second and third, one out for the Reds and five infielders. Round ball, play at the plate, throw up the line, the tag is there. And it looked like he may have snuck under the glove, but he's called out at the plate. Reds did challenge, great play by Edmund, great play by Molina, and the call was upheld out at home plate. Unbelievable. And as you mentioned, the, the five-man infield, and you can do things like that when you're the Cardinals and you have so many guys that are so versatile and you have a, a pitcher who has ground ball stuff. And this is a team that's known for their defense. And, of course, they were able to execute something like that. So that was bottom of the 11th. Bottom of the 12th, runners at first and third, one out. And the 0-2, runner goes and a ground ball that's hit to short. Play at the plate again. A strike to Kisner. They got him. Tommy's done it again. Kevin Romine out at the plate, and the game remains tied heading into the 13th inning. Albert delivers a sacrifice fly. Tyler O'Neill walks, and Newt. In the air. Deep rights. Newt ball. Long home run. And he knew it. Lars Newt bar. A blast out to right. And the Cardinals have opened up a 5-2 lead here in inning number 13. Well, listen to the crowd at Bush Stadium giving the new... Oh, wait. Oh, Michelle, that oh, was wait. in Cincinnati. That wasn't at Bush Stadium, yet the crowd is all screaming nude for Lars Newbar. They're not booing, they're nuding, as, as Boog Shambi said. And, Randy, watching... Lars Newbar celebrate any hit or any home run is amazing. <laughs> but watching Albert Pujols be on the receiving end of that Albert or of that Lars Newbar mm-hmm. home run and seeing the joy that Albert has with Lars Newbar, I was trying to think about this last night. So obviously, Yachty, Wayno, Albert—that's the heartbeat of the team, right? That's kind of the soul of the team. But what is Lars Newbar? He's the nervous system or something because he has injected so much energy and enthusiasm into this ball club. I don't know exactly what designation he's going to be, but I want to shout him out because he's just so joyful and has has brought in a different mm-hmm. feel to this ball club. And you see it yeah. in, reflected in Adam Wainwright when he talks about Lars Newbar. You see it last night in Albert, Albert Pujols waiting to do the pepper grinder with him to celebrate. Mm-hmm. He's just been such a great addition to the team. So if Albert is... Albert and Wayno and Yachty are like the heartbeat. Yeah, and Goldie, I think, is the spine. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know what what else is so important that you can't live well, without it, because that's no one La- Yeah, and Lars Newtbar is a jolt of five-hour energy. Okay, he's a B12 shot? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I love it, because that's exactly what he is. So the Cardinals win it by a score of 5-3 to three in 13 innings. Ali Marmol on that defense. No doubt the versatility of Donovan um, is big because it allows you to bring Gorman into the five-man infield and then just bounce back and forth between the outfield and the infield because you know that's going to present itself again if you uh, don't score. So uh, his versatility was a big part of us uh, not allowing them to score. A lot of good things happening for the Cardinals. The Brewers did win last night. They've won four out of five, but the Cardinals maintain their six-game lead in the division. A well-deserved day off, especially for the bullpen, Michelle, that fired eight and a third scoreless innings last night. We probably haven't talked enough about the bullpen, uh, but they were exceptional last night. And now you have the Cubbies on deck coming home. 
I would like to sweep this series. I, I know, well, everybody would like to sweep it, right? Of just course. Take, just take two out of three. But just on a personal level, I think it'd be fun to wrap up your Cubs season with a three-game sweep. Yeah, that would always be fun. Yeah. And the further that they distance themselves from the Brewers, the more comfortable that they get, the more maybe you can focus on using Albert Pujols more as mm-hmm. he tries to get towards 700. Every game, by the way, that he doesn't hit a home run, even if the Cardinals win, even if they, they pull it out with an interesting wrinkle like a five-man infield last night, I find it a little disappointing because I'm I'm so on the edge of my seat for him mm-hmm. to hit a home run every single time that I know he's going to be in the lineup. So, Michelle, August is now complete. The Cardinals led Major League Baseball with 173 runs scored in the month. They hit 51 home runs in the month. They led Major League Baseball in OPS during the month. The offense really did shine during the month of August. It really did. And is this again where we shout out Jeff Albert? We have Randy? to. We have I, no choice. We have no choice to <laughs> shout out Jeff Albert. Albert Pujols, you know, mentioning Jeff Albert and and how he works with the hitting staff and the offensive coaches. I know a lot of people, by the way, that don't want to give Jeff Albert credit, but instead say Albert Pujols is back mm-hmm. and he's been helping a lot of these young hitters develop, which I'm sure is in true or in part true, excuse me. But if you're going to rip the hitting coach when the offense is inconsistent, we need to shout him out and give him praises when the offense is doing mm-hmm. what they did in the month of August. Yeah, they were magnificent. Other things going on last night. Serena Williams with a three-set upset of number two seed Annette Kotovit in the second round of the U.S. Open. Go Serena, Annette, love you, but I want to know who you are. Number two seed at the U.S. Open. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either, but it doesn't really matter if we knew the opposition or not. Everyone is pulling for Serena. <laughs> exactly, right. It, it could be Sloan Stevens. It could be anybody mm-hmm. that, that you know and, and appreciate in the game of tennis, and we're going to be rooting for Serena. And it's not unlike Albert here. Serena is in the midst of her swan song, and the fact that she is succeeding at this level, first of all, unprecedented, but secondly, very cool. And I, I'm rooting for her to win the whole thing. So am I. How amazing would that be if she wins? She goes out there and wins it all. And I wouldn't put it past her at all because no. she is the GOAT. She's the best ever. And I think she can summon that one more time. Isn't that amazing, though, that how the great ones can do that, even when physically they might not still have it or be as sharp as they used to, that they can somehow summon that inside them? It's mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's why that we put them on this pedestal that we do because it's so abnormal. Right. Yeah, they're, she's... Well, it's an overused term right now, but she's a unicorn. She's a one of one. Mizzou opens their season tonight against Louisiana Tech, 730 on ESPNU. Line has Mizzou as a 20 and a half point favorite. All right. Go Tigers, M-I-Z, Z-O-U. Would you like, or do you have any other headlines, Randy? I don't. Would you like some sing them at the top of your lungs car songs from the BLIS? I would like to hear a couple. Toto, Africa. That's a good one. I like that a lot. Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Got that in the machine here. Yes, you do. When you stunt on people who lose to you in the fight. Mm-hmm. Face Down by the Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. I do not know that it, one. You would if you heard it. It's okay. very good. Um, interesting pick. Pour some sugar on me. Oh, that is a good one, though. Yes, it is. Um, let's see. Country Grammar by Nelly. It's a Lou thing. Yeah, that is totally a Lou thing. And uh, two more. This uh, My mom texting in to my personal mm-hmm. phone saying, Gloria, of course. Uh, you got to turn course. that one off. Yep. Um, and Thanks, then mom. two more. Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Uh-huh. Very good. Mm-hmm. Turn It Up song. And uh, Miley Cyrus, Party in the USA. Party in the Yeah, I like them all. Good co- all good choices. Uh, Matthew, you got one? No Diggity by Blackstreet, Return of the Mac. 
Okay. So we've, we've got a lot of good suggestions. This is putting together a playlist. Next up, Greg Amzinger has an early tea time, so he's going to join us at 7.15 rather than 7.30 here this morning on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And many moons ago, as the Cardinals played in Atlanta on July 7th, Albert Pujols, Michelle, hit for Connor Capel and said that he found something in his swing. And ever since then, Albert Pujols has been remarkable, one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Recently, Greg Amzinger was on the range and believes that he found something, much like (laughs) Albert Pujols on July 7th in Atlanta. And so Greg Amzinger is going to get on the, out, out on the course today. And we would expect Albert Pujols like results from the great Greg Amzinger from the Lindenwood University and, of course, lead anchor of MLB Network, who's with us now, ironically, on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning. Happy September, Greg. How are you doing? Uh, happy September to you. Yes, I feel like uh, a September call-up because, yeah, eerily similar breakthrough uh, that I just had. I got here early, range session, then a little chat with Randy and Michelle in my car because, you know, you can't have phones at a golf course. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go back to the range, but I took like four swings. Iron play's been suffering. I I, I was born without a rear end. I, I know that, seriously, honestly, I have like the flattest butt in the history of time. Wow. And I wish Congrats. I had an athletic, I, I'm just being honest, I wish I had an athletic rear end. I really do. Thank God my son has that, and so does my daughter. So they're actual athletes. I don't have that. Uh, and and I, I just decided, you know what, I'm instead of trying to turn hips that don't exist, let's start off with the hip wide open. And, oh, my goodness, it's like um, I'm open to turning my hips for the first time. I, I'm not a terrible dancer. You would think that would help me. Yeah, you can't picture me 6'5 dancing. I understand that. I've seen but it on TV. I've cut loose a couple times. It's not terrible, folks. It's not. So I I think this breakthrough is going to help me in a major way today. Well, Greg, that just tells me that you weren't listening to the the late, great Chubbs and uh, and, uh, Happy Gilmore, who once famously said, it's all in the hips. It is, but if you weren't born with any, how do you just put everything into your hips, right? So I I I have a lower back and I have two legs. So I'm opening the right leg, and, uh, you know, that, that's my, my definition of a hip. If I just open my right leg, I'm left-handed, then I have turned my hip. That's, that's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Greg, in an August in which the Cardinals win 22-7 and and led the National League in runs with 173, our expectations for them have changed. Now that we're into September, and we think the Cardinals are going to make the playoffs, they still have the easiest remaining schedule in Major League Baseball. What are your postseason expectations for the Cardinals now? Hey, I, I threw this at Sean Casey and Hall of Famer Jim Tomey yesterday on MLB Tonight. I said, guys, as we look at it right now, Justin Verlander on the IL, calf injuries, 39 years old, probably not a big deal. But if the playoffs started today, based on the way the rosters look, Today, right? Are the four best teams in baseball all in National League? Think about that. Are the four best Mm. teams in baseball all in the National League? And you can make a case for it. Obviously, the Dodgers, the Mets, 
uh, the Atlanta Braves, and I think the Cardinals have played their way into that conversation. At the end of the day, they're the only team in baseball with two legitimate MVP candidates. Legitimate. They're probably going to finish one and two in the race. Uh, That is a strength. Now you got Jack Flaherty dominating uh, in his rehab start. If he comes back and gives you anything, this team is going to be vaulted right into that conversation. The National League race has changed completely. That baseball game last night at City Field was one of the most electric things I've ever seen. Dodgers, Mets, the, the, the Stars played great. Uh, DeGrom is in a different category. He might be the first Hall of Famer that never gets 150 wins. I mean, Sandy Koufax retired at 30 with 165 wins. He, he might lower the bar. He's 34 years old. We have to remind ourselves of that. But the Cardinals right now, as their the roster is constructed, are in the mix to be one of the best teams in baseball. That's how good they've become. Greg, when they've played winning opponents, they've handled them in the second half. They swept the Yankees. They took two or three from Milwaukee. Should have swept Milwaukee, but they lost that Saturday game in extra innings. They just took two or three of the Braves. But otherwise, they've they've played a lot of beatable opponents. Does that concern you at all, that maybe they haven't been playing enough good quality teams? I think what concerns me is the K per nine of the starting rotation. They got to have swing and miss come October. That's why Jack Flaherty getting him back for a stretch run is vital. Uh, they need they need guys that open the game up for first four, five, six innings of a playoff game, and they get strikeouts because allowing the Mets to make contact, allowing the Dodgers or the Braves or even the Phillies, let's not overlook the Philadelphia Phillies right now, allowing these lineups to make contact is a recipe for disaster. So to just think that you can lean on your bullpen for an entire series, uh, I think you're you're going to find yourself in serious dismay with that. They need to get swing and miss. Uh, I don't see it with the guys they currently have. Jordan Montgomery has been a revelation, but they expect him to strike out nine in five or six innings. I've been saying this for years. I believe in swing and miss stuff come October. That's why Spencer Strider and his breakthrough as a rookie for the Atlanta Braves is, is mind-boggling, and it changed the way I look at the Braves. Max Freed is probably your game one guy with a two five three ERA, but Spencer Strider is probably game two. There's only one pitcher in baseball with 17 wins. That's Kyle Wright. He's game three. And they're going to get Soroka back, who was the ace before he injured his Achilles for three years. So the Atlanta Braves have plenty of swing and miss. Uh, that, to me, is the number one concern I have for the Cardinals come October. Greg, you mentioned that Jordan Montgomery has been a revelation here the Yankees, who once had a 15-game lead, now have a six-game lead. They have injuries throughout, especially, obviously, in their rotation. How much does the Jordan Montgomery loss hurt the Yankees? It messed with the Yankees. I don't know if it hurt the Yankees. It messed with them. They didn't like it. When players don't like a trade and they're in first place, then maybe you need to rethink it. When you're going to trade away a key cog to a first-place team, Right, you need to wonder what will this do to the dynamic of the clubhouse, and if you don't consider that, then you're probably a front office executive that's rarely in the clubhouse. <laughs> you stay away from these players, and I'm concerned Brian Cashman did that here. I think he overthought it a bit too much, and it's gonna it's making him pay. The one thing I'll say about the Yankees at the moment. And I said this before, when it, it, the postseason expanded and there are more teams in the mix, 
it sort of eliminated the dog days of August in so many different markets. The August games are meaningful almost everywhere. There are only a few teams that are clearly out of the expanded postseason. But there was one team that, that really felt the dog days of August, and that was the New York Yankees. They won their division through May. And you would start to talk about magic number at the All-Star break. So they're just kind of grinding through. They're hoping to get standing back and rolling again. As I look at the AL East right now, Randy, I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays have the most difficult schedule in the American League. And I get it. They've won a few games in a row. They won again last night against the Marlins. And the top four of their batting order is on fire. But let me repeat the top four in their batting order. Yandy Diaz, who's been a journeyman, he had three hits last night. And he's their leadoff guy. Manuel Margot who well, at one point was a Canvas prospect, but now he's up in the upper 20s, almost 30 years old. Randy Orozarena, who I think we all have realized, good player, but he's not you know, Babe Ruth reincarnate like he was in the truncated playoffs. He's, he's on base for 23 home runs, 80 RBIs. And, and Harold Ramirez, so he's also a journeyman. So you get these four guys that are the big, feared bats of the Tampa Bay Rays. You just lost Shane McClanahan, who knows how long, with a shoulder impingement. I, I just don't think that the Tampa Bay Rays, with that schedule left, the smoke and mirrors is eventually going to evaporate. They're not really pushing the Yankees. The Blue Jays, they're the weirdest team in baseball. You look at the, the lineup, and you're like, oh, my goodness, they could win the World Series until you take a look at their batting averages, and you're like, wow, Alejandro <laughs> Kirk. Alejandro <laughs> Kirk is their MVP. This is weird. So I think the Yankees will win the division in a walk, and, and they're going to strike right when the games matter most. Greg, I want to give – I have one other American League question. In the last 25 years, let's go back to 1997. So uh, you've got 07, 17, 22. Last 25 years, give me a manager better than Tito Francona. Ooh, that's a really good question. You know, it's funny. I was saying to the guys, uh, what's happening this year is great for the managerial role in baseball. Mm-hmm. Other than other than Tony Larusa, who I think we all know, yeah, we wish him the best, first and foremost. Uh, he's leaving indefinitely his role as manager of the White Sox. But at that age, at this time, the game has changed immensely. Uh, yeah, I, it, it was stacked against Tony La Russa. But when you look at Buck Showalter, you look at Dusty Baker, and you look at Terry Francona, what do they all have in common right now? First place managers, all three guys. They're all long-tenured. They've been doing this for a very long time. To think that you can take anybody and put it in that, put him or that person in a role like manager, it's truly a leadership role. The impact of Dusty Baker was immense through the scandal that the Astros had. Seeing Buck Showalter get a standing ovation every time he comes out to take a picture <laughs> off the mound is ridiculous. He's the most popular guy in New York City next to Steve Cohn, the owner. They love him in New York City. Uh, and obviously what Terry Francona has done, it's the stability, Manny. They didn't go get him a bat. They didn't go get him a bat. This team's going to the playoffs. I mean, they needed a bat to go along with Jose Ramirez. But there's a reason why Jose Ramirez doesn't want to leave Cleveland. Terry Francona is the definition of a player's manager. Stephen Kwan knows he's leading off playing left field every single day. Okay, Ahmed Rosario didn't have a position. Terry Francona said, we're done with moving you around. You're going to be our everyday shortstop. Andres Jimenez, he put his arm around this young man. He was traded in the Lindor package and said, the, the Mets messed up. You're actually every bit as good as Francisco Lindor. Told him that. And Andres Jimenez has sort of been every bit as good, if not better, than Francisco Lindor. He is a, a player whisperer. He knows how to make players feel loved like they're playing for their dad. 
Terry Francona is going to be a Hall of Famer. The other guys, I think, will also be in the Hall of Fame. I think Dusty Baker's surefire Hall of Famer. And if Buck Showalter can win a World Series, which he's got the horses to do it, then I think he's tested for Cooperstown as well. Greg, we've seen so many managers get appointed essentially to be an extension of the front office. But do you think seeing all of these old school managers having so much success might shift that trend a little bit? I think so. I really do. Um, You know, at the end of the day, we're seeing former baseball players leading front offices. You know, Chris Young is now the head of the front office for the Texas Rangers. Sam Fold, GM, working uh, in a front office right now with Dave Dombrowski. These guys, if they have success as former players in the front office, Jerry Depoto is on fire right now in Seattle, former player. Uh, as leading a front office, then you're going to see the magic pixie dust that comes with a great manager, a la Bruce Bochy's of the world. Those guys are valued by former players. They're truly not valued by guys that never played because they're insecure about the fact they didn't play. So there's pushback in the relationship between them getting on the same page with a manager that they never had. They never had a big league manager. They don't understand the impact of one. They just want the guy to take the damn lineup that they gave him and put it in and give it to the the, the crew chief, give it to the umpire before the game, please. Can you not argue with me about it? Whereas Jerry Depoto, whereas a, a Chris Young, they, 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 they're delicate about that. And I, I think John Mosaic's also a bit delicate regarding how he deals with the manager. Uh, Mike Schilt would probably disagree, but <laughs> he's had a lot of success over the years. And, and I, look, at the end of the day, you will still have front offices that do not want experience in that role. They would prefer to pull all the strings. But as you're finding, when you deal with humans, true leadership prevails. And don't be surprised if this year one of those old school managers is hoisting up the World Series championship trophy. Hey, Greg, one last thing. And you had this discussion last night on MLB Tonight on MLB Network. American League MVP, Otani or Judge? I think what we're seeing from uh, Aaron Judge is historic. And that's the only way you beat Shohei Otani. And my friend Carlos Payne goes, we need to create an award called Most Outstanding Player. That way Otani can win it every year. Wait, time out. Is it... If Otani deserves to win the MVP every year, then what we're seeing is the greatest baseball player of all time. That's good. Let's not punish Shohei Otani by putting him at the kids' table and giving him his own separate award. If if he deserves it, he deserves it. I think he deserves it every single year. He performs relatively close to the way he's performing right now. What does it take to beat Shohei Otani in the American League? Something we've never seen before. I have never seen, nor have you, nor has anyone that's alive, seen someone that's not connected to steroids hit more than 61 home runs. I've never seen it. For Aaron Judge to hit 61 home runs, something Roger Maris did, hit 61 home runs in 1961, 61 years ago, I think that is enough. That is enough somehow snatch the MVP away from Shohei Otani. If someone hits 400 next year, if, if Luis Arise hits 400, okay, and then Sean Casey was arguing, well, Ted Williams hit 406 in 1941. He didn't win the MVP. I go, that's because writers still remember when Ty Cobb hit 400. They thought someone else would eventually hit 400 <laughs> after Ted Williams. This is a rarity. This is something we've never seen. And don't let steroids change our reality. I always saw McGuire do it. Oh, we saw Sosa do it. Oh, we saw Bonds do it. Those three guys should have never done it. 
They should have never done it. This should be the biggest story in all of sports, that Aaron Judge is 10 home runs away from tying Roger Maris. That is what it takes to beat Shohei Otani in the MVP race. If he hits 61, Aaron Judge is the MVP. And finally, Greg Amzinger, Michelle Smallman is coming up east to join you big timers up there. She's coming to to ESPN. She's going to do some overnight on ESPN, the, the Sports Center overnight. So this is your last opportunity on this particular program to uh, give Michelle a shout out. <laughs> I, am, I am so proud of you, Michelle. You're immensely talented. We all know that. We all love you. you got a great work ethic. You're going to be a star. I do find it funny that you're moving to the one region of the country where there's really no such thing as a fast lane. So you'll be <laughs> stuck in traffic an awful lot. Uh, I, I know what that feels like, but you've always loved New York City. This is your opportunity. You're going for it at the right time. and You're going to be a star. You're going to blow up. They're going to love you. They already love you. You've been there before. So I'm excited. I'm excited. And hopefully, hopefully, if you're looking for a windbag that loves to wax poetic <laughs> about baseball, you, you'll, you'll look me up because I would love to be on any show you're on, Michelle. Oh, well, Greg, you are the best of getting to know you and having so many great conversations over the year. And thank you for all of your support. And uh, keep your phone handy, Greg, because I'm going to be texting you. I need some Cardinals watering holes in New York City. I need a spot in September and October where I can watch the Cardinals. Oh, I've got plenty. They're like <laughs> so on the DL because people in this region of the country can't stand Cardinal Nation. <laughs> so we all kind of slither around and we find different watering holes. But I will pass that information along to you. Sounds good. Thanks for everything, Greg. We'll talk soon. Have a great round. Okay. Hit him well, Matthew Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm going low. I'm going low today. Like to hear it. We'll see you later. Take care, guys. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. He is the best. Coming up, a little round of Sick of It. Get your text in right now to 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm over it, Sharon. I can't take it no more. I am done. I am sick of it. Do you hear me? Sick of it. I can't take it anymore. These people are the worst. Carriker and Smallman are sick of it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle, Randy, and Matthew with you. And Michelle, back in the day, a long time ago, our friend Mike Martz. Glad you're listening right now, Michael, uh, living here in St. Louis again. Uh, he had a quarterback that was playing very well by the name of Mark Bulger. Yes. And uh-huh. Kurt Warner was still here. And we in the media, had we, we love Kurt Warner. So we would ask about Kurt Warner. And Mike Martz had determined that Mark Bulger was his quarterback. And one time, R.B. Falstrom of the Associated Press asked a question about Warner being coming back. And Martz said, Mark Bulger's our quarterback. And R.B. Falstrom of the AP said, yeah, but... And Mike Martz famously said, yibbit, yibbit, yibbit. Mark Bulger is our quarterback. I am so sick of people when I mentioned that the Cardinals went 22 and 7 and led the national the major league in, in runs during August saying give it give it give it they're they're trying to find a reason to be negative. I'm so sick of the negativity. Hey, enjoy what you're watching. This is pretty awesome. And if you can't savor this, you can't savor anything in sports. Randy, do you see what society has become? I do. <laughs> I do. I know that that's part and parcel of what society is, but I'm still sick of it. I understand. And last night we had our squad dinner out at Palmano's. Amazing food. Amazing time. And we were talking about how the fact that 
Yachty and Albert are having their final season and Adam Wainwright is still here doing what he's doing, that it almost feels like what Paul Goldschmidt is accomplishing and what we're seeing out of Nolan Arenado is getting diminished in a way. But 10 years removed from this, we're going to look back at just the performances of those two guys from this season and say, what an unbelievable time to be a Cardinals fan. And um, yeah, you're right. Some people just can't say, Randy, there are people out there that if the Cardinals won the World Series, they would say it's a net negative. That has happened. That in the has past. happened. So I, I understand that you are sick of it, but unfortunately, those people have to live with themselves every day. Yeah. Imagine being those people, yeah. not being able to wake up and enjoy what you're seeing. The Cardinals could win 10 to 1, eight games in a row, and people would say, well, they should have won 14 to nothing. Oh, yeah. And when we shouted out Jeff Albert earlier, saying yeah. when the offense is doing what they're doing, we have to give props to the hitting coach. Yeah. People saying, oh, he had nothing to yeah. do with it. Okay, well. There's another team on the <laughs> other side that is being paid to play and try to win also. Yes, true. Randy, as we just talked about a little bit ago briefly with our friend Greg Amzinger, Tony LaRussa, White Sox manager, is out indefinitely. He's undergoing medical tests in Arizona. He has an unspecified medical issue. And I am sick of all of the people in Chicago that hate Tony LaRussa. There are some people in Chicago that from the word go, no matter what Tony LaRussa had done, were never going to embrace him. They thought that the, the game was past him and they're celebrating the fact that he's out. And I am sick of it. Regardless of whether you wanted him to get the job or not, he's one of the most brilliant baseball minds that Mm -hmm. has ever been around the game. He is a proven champion. He's a Hall of Famer, and he deserves some respect. And for those people that want to celebrate the fact that he is dealing with a medical issue and isn't available to participate in the game and, and do his occupation, I'm sick of that. It's gross. It really is. And he is still a brilliant baseball mind. In that regard... He hasn't lost his fastball. I've been concerned about him and just watching his press conferences over the course of the season. But if you think that Tony La Russa can't win with the right team, then you just aren't paying attention because he can still win with the right team. And that team has been absolutely ravaged by injuries this year. Yep. It doesn't matter who the manager of the White Sox was this year. They were not going to win any more than they've already won. All right, Matthew, what do we got on the old text line? My wife asked me why I have to watch every minute of every Cardinals game. Sick of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. You just have to say, honey, it's history. Yep, that's what you're watching. Watching history. Yeah. You should be watching every minute of every Cardinal game, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. <laughs> On the cusp of the college football season, I'm quite sick of already knowing who's going to win 95% of the games. We need the semi-pro, the semi-pro schools in one big conference so that we have real parity among both types of programs. The semi-pro schools love that. <laughs> That's what we need, yeah. Yeah, I am I am sick of the changes in college athletics, though. It's like you, we can't get settled for five seconds without something else happening. It's There's a lot to be sick of college sports I'm sick uh, what I'm sick of that the XFL couldn't announce the fact that we're keeping the Battlehawks name before Michelle has to leave oh uh, that's, that's a true. really good one I wonder if they're going to I could call in and say caca yes. yeah I'm only a phone call yeah, away yeah. okay as Chingy once said one call away there you go <laughs> you like this one too Michelle I'm sick of the I'm sick of our break room budget being being uh, put towards stocking decaf when only one person in the entire office drinks it that's ridiculous if you're drinking decaf yeah. bring it from home <laughs> You keep that out of the break room. 
Yeah. You drink it at your desk and shame. Don't bring that decaf in here. Don't you no. bring that decaf up in here. Absolutely not. By the way, I have great admiration for the companies that keep like a fruit basket in their break room. <laughs> no one is using it. Like uh, apples and bananas and stuff. Free fruit for the for the crew. I think that's a great idea. I saw this meme the other day that was like, it was someone putting an apple back in the fridge, and it was like putting my apple back after I take it on my on its daily ride. <laughs> Basically, meaning you pack an apple or a piece yep. of fruit every day, and then you don't eat it. Um, <laughs> my apple back. That's good. I can't believe though that, and I know that we're all about inclusivity and we support everyone's choices, but I can't believe that part of the office budget would go towards the one person drinking decaf. You don't even listen, and do not take. I am passionate about this. Do not text in saying it's better for you. It's too much caffeine and coffee. Don't. We drink coffee because we need the caffeine. Nobody drinks coffee for the taste. Oh, I do. I love the taste. But if it was decaffeinated, would you? No. There you go. I like I like the <laughs> jolt, Randy. <laughs> I'm sick of thinking about what we lost in the Ozuna trade. Alcantara might win the Cy Young, and Gallon has not given up a run in over 34 innings. I even liked the trade at the time, but man, this might end up being one of the worst trades in franchise history. Okay, so change your mind then. Flip, flip, <laughs> flip you. your mind around. Here's what you need to do. Because I don't see anybody complaining about the Goldschmidt trade or the Arenado trade. So just make it so that the Cardinals traded Alcantara and Gallon for Goldschmidt and then got Ozuna for Carson Kelly and Andrew Young and Luke Weaver. Think of it that way. Unless you'd like to flip them all. If you want to give Goldschmidt back for Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly and Andrew Young, that's fine. If you want to give Arenado back for Austin Gomber and Elahuris Montero and uh, the kid that uh, whose dad played uh, played in the majors. I don't even remember his name. But if you and you might never hear their names. But if you want to give Arnauto <laughs> back, if you if you just want to say okay, we shouldn't make any more trades. That's cool. But look at it this way. Think of okay, we gave up Andrew Young, Carson Kelly, and Luke Weaver. We got Ozuna for those guys. Just look at it that way. That might make you feel a little bit better about it. Also, you're not going to be able to keep everybody. Oh. And the fact that the Cardinals still have a such a strong minor league system and they're six games ahead in the division and they've got the arguably the two National League MVPs and the pieces that they have. I mean, you're not going to be able to keep everybody and win every trade. I know Sandy Alcantara is a gem and we would absolutely love to have him here in St. Louis. But at some point, you're going to have to give stuff up to make moves that you need to make. And that's what happened with Ozuna. Michelle, I really hate seeing all the great things that Harrison Bader has done for the Yankees. Um, oh. We love we love HB, but... Yeah. Sure, Montgomery's okay. He's, he's okay. Yeah. And I hope that Harrison Bader gets healthy and he thrives in New York. But I think all of us agree that Jordan Montgomery was the right move to make. I would say that that was the right move to make. Absolutely. Also, the guy said it in his text. He's like, I didn't mind the trade when it happened. No. Well, then that's that's why they made the trade when they did then because yeah. they yeah. You, they needed that hitter. That's why you make a trade in the moment. Don't let yourself become delusional. You were, you, you got the logic in there. You just put it in the wrong wrong order. And, and you just write yourself a little bit. You're thinking the right way. Uh, sick of it. Announcers calling every strikeout a punch out. A punch out is when the ump calls you out with the motion of a punch. Get it right, people. That is the pettiest Never thought thing of that, heard. but I think it's great. I think it's it. great, too. And now now I'm going to notice it all yep. the time. And I'm glad that somebody found something legit to be sick of. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of legit well, sick ofs here. It's just that it's little things like that. Randy, when you were out on vacation and Alexa Dat filled in, mm-hmm. we were talking about things uh, that bother us, that people say, that broadcasters and announcers say. She says verse, like cards verse the Reds. Mm-hmm. 
instead of verses. And she said that it drives people crazy, that they all hmm. flood her DMs and they're like, you're a professional broadcaster. Say verses. And we we're talking about things that bother us. I hate when people say the MLB. It's not the Major League Baseball. It's Major, Major League, League Baseball. Baseball. Right. You could say the NFL. It's the National Football League. I hate when people say RBIs. It's RBI. Mm-hmm. Verse I, and verses. RBI. True, true. Verse and verses doesn't bother me that much, but punch out. There's Everybody has their little thing that somebody says who's a broadcaster or announcer that drives them crazy. For me, it's lackadaisical. Why? Why is that your... Because there's bugaboo? a word that's lax and there's a word that's lackadaisical. There is no word lackadaisical. So why people would say that is beyond me. You're combining words, which is cute and fun, but it's inaccurate from a broadcasting perspective. <laughs> to Michelle's point, I think I must have said verse uh, when I was talking about the Penn State versus Purdue game in my Sports Center update. Somebody in, the, somebody in the text line responded and just goes, it's verses. See, it drives people crazy. Alexa was right. They also spelled verses wrong, but that's another, another thing. S-U-S? Yeah. Thank it's like you. someone that tweets you and says, you're dumb, Y-O-U-R. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite thing on planet Earth. I'm like, really, sir? It's like that. It's you're like, you, you're dumb, Y-O-U-R. Favorite. It's like one of my favorite things on the internet is the guy in the Cardinals fan with the sign that says that says morons. Yeah, spells right. morons wrong. That's yep. one of my favorite Good things stuff. on the entire internet. Hey, thanks for your text. We do appreciate them, and we need more next because we've got Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, and Matthew with you. And Michelle, the athletic Sam Amick talked to Jeannie Buss about last year's Lakers. And Jeannie Buss said of Russell Westbrook, All I can say is that from my point of view, he was our best player last year. He played pretty much every single game, showed up, worked hard. You know, I would have loved to have seen what this team would have looked like if they had stayed healthy. Take it or leave it. If Russell Westbrook is your best player, you've got major problems. Take, take, take. Yeah. He's an outstanding player, but... Showed up. Doesn't play well with others. Nope. And by the way... need a team to win. Yeah, and I give him credit for being there and showing up every game. And they did need LeBron and AD, but point is, and this is apart from what she said, she may have been right because he was there every day, but I don't think that you can win a championship if Russell Westbrook is your best player. In fact, it would stand the reason that you can't make the playoffs if Russell Westbrook is your best player. Uh, Brady, we talked about this with Greg Amzinger early and earlier in the show, but we're all on Aaron Judge home run watch, right? He's at 51 right now. And this morning I was reading on CBSSports.com this article about Aaron Judge and, and his quest to get to 60-61. And there's this part in the article about Aaron Judge's workload. And they were talking about how even though the Yankees have had a rough August, they're still uh, pretty much a lock for the playoffs. And that 
they are really big into load management. And though, and even though Aaron Judge has been healthy all year, the Yankees really want to make sure to rest their stars and mm. get them 100% ready to go for the playoffs. So they were wondering if the Yankees, despite Aaron Judge needing to play all of these games likely to make history, if they would consider resting him a little bit before the playoffs since the ultimate goal is to win the World Series. So take it or leave it. Load management should not even be a consideration when it comes to Aaron Judge. I'll totally take that. Number one, he's very sturdy. He's a, he's a big fella. But the other thing is, if you don't allow him to pursue that record because of load management, he's a free agent after this year. You're going to tick him up because he's going to think that you're doing something to impact his market value. It's history. We may never see this again. You do not mess with it. Also, as we've seen with Albert in the Chase to 700, that excitement and anticipation infuses that energy through your clubhouse. Yeah, and the Yankees are already mad at the front office for trading Jordan Montgomery. That's right. Do not rest Aaron Judge. That's not going to go over well in any way, shape, or form. And baseball needs this. Do not take this away from us. Yep. All right, Matthew, what do we got on the text line 65780? Considering what's going on right now, it's crazy to think that Aaron Judge might not be a Yankee next year. Take it or leave it. Take, take, take. Absolutely. Can you imagine how he must feel thinking about that? I had to bet on myself, and this is what I'm doing, and you still might not want to pay me. Unbelievable. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Five future Hall of Famers, undoubtedly on this Cardinals team. Wayno, Yachty, Pujols, Arenado, Goldie. Undoubtedly, I'm going to leave. Because of Wayno? Yeah. <sighs> what about when he gets to 200 wins next year? Yeah. What about that, Randy? It's a shame that he didn't get to 200 How about wins that? with the seasons that he's missed. And I, I just don't know if relative to the people that and and taking nothing away from Adam's career but relative to the people that he was a contemporary of like CC Sabathia and Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke I just don't know if he's going to to stack up in the minds stacks up in my mind but I don't know if he's going to stack up in the minds of the voters he should I think he's a Hall of Famer and yes I'm biased and I'm not afraid to admit it But I just think about the Cardinals sustained success during the time that Adam Wainwright was a Cardinal and his contributions to that success in so many different ways and the longevity of his career Mm -hmm. and the fact that he's kind of a rarity in, in today's game. We don't see many pitchers like Adam Wainwright anymore. And I think about all of the big moments that Adam Wainwright stepped up for his team. There's no metric for that. Uh, all, all the times he put the team in a position to win. I don't know. I, I think that he deserves far more consideration. Now, you look at the leaders in war among pitchers right now. Verlander won, Kershaw two, both easily in. Mm-hmm. I think Granke's a Hall of Famer. That's He's third in war. Scherzer is fourth. He's a Hall of Famer. Chris Sale probably had his, uh, and he's fifth in war among active pitchers, but the injuries probably hurt him. I would think if anything's going to hold Adam back, who's sixth in war among active pitchers, it will wind up being the, the injuries. By the way, DeGrom is seventh, David Price eighth, Johnny Cueto ninth, and Corey Kluber tenth among active pitchers in, in war. Uh, and then Madison Bumgarner and Garrett Cole, and Cole still has some time left. I, I think that Adam's a borderline guy. Take it and I'm with you. I would vote for him, too. And if they did it the way the NFL did it and someone could stand up and make a case for Wayno, take it or leave it, he'd be in. Take it. See? I, I hate the way baseball does it, where you just give everyone a ballot and they get to, to vote based on their own metrics. Yeah. I would love for them to sh- change that up and 
really let someone plead the case of somebody because I think a guy like Adam Wainwright would greatly benefit from that. Take it or leave it. MLB should do a TV show similar to NFL's Hard Knocks. Yeah, I'll take it. Oh, of course, take. I think baseball needs to do more to expose us to the stars in the game. And give us that behind-the-scenes access. I mean, look at what we got from Adam Wainwright on Sunday mm-hmm. pregame. That was unbelievable. If you can get more moments like that, if you're baseball, you do it. And I also think my favorite part about Hard Knocks is you learning about, you know, the kids who never, who are never going to get, you know, a, a special feature on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball before a game. The, the ones you've never heard of. And getting to see those ones, glow, you know, grow and, and make the team in those storylines that's the kind of stuff you get from hard knocks that you never get out of a team from a national perspective without that show uh take it or leave it the cardinals can win a series against any contending team i'll take it yeah i'll take it you win one more than the other team you can do that they just did it against the braves they did it against the brewers they swept the yankees why wouldn't i take that i'm still scared about the dodgers i don't know why well i know why but tony gunsland down with a forearm strain now you know what if there's there's a crack. There's a there's a leak. That just mm-hmm. d- depending on if it actually ruptures at some point. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals go after Swanson and or Contreras in the offseason. Contreras is interesting. Yeah, he would be. Yeah. Your your pitching staff is not going to be as good if if Wilson Contreras is calling the game. That's one of the reasons that he didn't get moved at the deadline because people looked at him more as a DH than a catcher. Uh huh. But I could see it. I I would hope that the Cardinals would make a move for Jacob Stallings, who's a year away from free agency with the Marlins. They're going to need somebody to take a leadership role. And by the way, Andrew Kisner, has had a, he had a really good August, like the rest of the team. So maybe it's Kisner and Herrera next year to get things started. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And we appreciate your text. Coming up, Cardinals did go 22-7 and seven in August. They were better than we thought they would be. How good can they be in September? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. With their 5-3 win over the Reds last night, Michelle, the Cardinals finished August with a 22-7 record. They finished also the month of August with the most runs in Major League Baseball with 173. And they finished the month after trailing heading into the month by three games in the Central with a six-game lead over the Brewers. And I guess my question now is, depending on how things go in the Cardinals, it changes day to day, but at the moment, the Cardinals have the second easiest remaining schedule in Major League Baseball. The Brewers, meanwhile, still have to play the Mets and the Yankees and the Cardinals. They have seven against the Reds, four against the Marlins, three against the Rockies, seven against Arizona, and two against the Giants, but four against the Cardinals, three against the Yankees and Mets each. It's going to be tough for Milwaukee. So we talked last segment about Aaron Judge and mm-hmm. the, the management, load management that the Yankees might use with him. I wonder if the Cardinals will do that with Arenado and Goldie, especially with the knowledge that they'll probably play in the first round. I, I would do it, but I would be very judicious with how I deployed that load management because you do want to keep these guys sharp. And uh, Randy, you mentioned the strength of schedule. 
I love that the Cardinals have a bit of a runway, especially down the stretch, that they can rest guys that they want to and get themselves ready for the playoffs. But there is something to playing quality opponents as you get into the playoffs. Iron sharpens iron mm-hmm. or whatever cliche you want to throw out there. But there is something to beating teams you know are going to be in the playoffs as you get ready to enter the playoffs that gets you in that in that mindset and gives you that confidence. And I'm really going to be looking towards that L.A. series at, in late September. Mm-hmm. Well, it is September. I keep forgetting it's September yeah. 1st today. September 23rd to the, through the 25th. You, oh, that scared me. There you go. You say it. It's delivered, Michelle. Okay? Just want you to know. I just jumped out of my chair. Let it breathe, Randy. Do you remember when it was September? September. play the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Brewers all in a row on the road yep. between the 20th and the 28th. Actually, on the 21st night of September, they will be in San Diego playing the Padres. Mm-hmm. And I will be looking at that series, but specifically that's that three-game set versus the Dodgers. Not taking anything away from the Padres. I think the, the Brewers have proven that they're kind of wilting on the vine here. But... The Dodgers are the team that that most people have picked to ascend out of the National League, and I really want to see in late September how the Cardinals fare against the Dodgers. And I wonder, Michelle, if at that point, because the Dodgers have an 18-and-a-half game lead over the Padres right now. Exactly. They might clinch their division in the next 10 days. So how's Dave Roberts going to be treating that time of year? That would be my only concern is, are you seeing the real Dodgers? Now, you want to play them, you want to beat them, and if you see the Dodger blue, you beat them, you feel good about it. But I'm interested to watch and see how Dave Roberts handles, talk about load management, his team, especially with the knowledge that they're going to sit for the first round of the playoffs. If I'm Roberts, I'm playing my guys. I would too. And I especially want to beat the good teams. I want to beat the Cardinals. I wanted to beat the Mets this week. So I kind of think that the Dodgers will put a lot into that series. But Cardinals either way, you know the Dodgers, here's the thing, if the Dodgers put a player on the field, he's a good player. Yeah. And they're going to be they're going to be a challenge for you. They're loaded. I'm looking at their schedule, Randy. After they play the Cardinals for that three-game set, they have three at San Diego and then they close out with a, a huge stretch with the Rockies. I'm counting. I think it's six games versus Colorado. If I'm the Do- if I'm Dave Roberts and the Dodgers, I'm trying to send a message to the Cardinals. I want mm-hmm. to to sweep them. I want to put it in their heads, "Hey, we're still better than you and the playoffs are coming." I would absolutely play all my best guys knowing that you have this massive uh, stretch of runway to close things out versus the Rockies where it's the games are inconsequential. You can rest your guys and get things set up the way that you prefer it to be. But that I I don't know why you would ever consider not throwing everything you have at the Cardinals, especially when you know that you have time after that. And we're going to hear this again next hour, but I agree with Greg Amzinger when he says the four best teams in baseball are in the National League. It's the Dodgers, it's the Mets, it's the Braves, and it's the Cardinals. And if you're the Cardinals and you already beat Atlanta two out of three and you can beat the Dodgers two out of three down the stretch, tells you something about yourself. Is there anything that is glaringly concerning for you for the Cardinals now that we're on day one of September? We're in this with the stretch run. The big thing is it's going to be next week. It's not a concern, but it's a a belief. I think if Jack Flaherty pitches well, I think that changes the game for the entire National League. 
because Flaherty is the one guy the Cardinals have that has the talent to go toe-to-toe with DeGrom. And there, there are not many guys like that. One of the guys pitches for DeGrom's team. And if you can have a guy that you feel pretty good about going seven innings and allowing one run, and I know Jack hasn't done it in a long time, but if you can get that back, then I think the Cardinals are right there with those other teams in the National League. I'm trying to temper my Jack Flaherty expectations because every time I read about these outings that he's having, I'm getting more and more excited because you're right. He is the X factor. He Mm -hmm. could change everything for the Cardinals if he's right and healthy and can come back and, and get a few games under his belt before the playoffs. It would change things drastically. But based on what we've seen so far this season, we've had some false starts. So I I don't want to get too excited about that. But wouldn't that be so Cardinals? Could Jack Flaherty be the devil magic guy? I know that he doesn't really fit the category, but wouldn't that be so Cardinals-like for Jack Flaherty to get right down the stretch and be available and in any way, shape, or form dominant for the playoffs? And I know we're going to get texts that say, don't count on Jack Flaherty, but it's the nature of the sport. The Braves are counting on Mike Soroka and getting Ian Anderson back. The Dodgers are counting on a healthy Clayton Kershaw and getting Tony Gonsolin back. The Mets are counting on a healthy DeGrom and a healthy Carlos Carrasco. Everybody's counting on pitchers getting and being healthy for the playoffs. It's not just the Cardinals with Flaherty. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up next week, it's the Ascension Charity Classic and in the celebrity division in the legends division blues head coach craig berube is going to participate chief will join us next on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn Smallman on 101 ESPN. The Ascension Charity Classic is just a week away, the 9th through 11th at Norwood. Still tickets available. You can go to ascensioncharityclassic.com. And again, on Saturday of the tournament, on the 10th, Ascension will have the Legends Classic. And last year, you had Ozzie Smith and Blues head coach Craig Berube, along with Jack Nicholas. And this year, you're going to have Nancy Lopez and Lee Trevino there. It's going to be awesome. And Ryan O'Reilly of the Blues is going to play, along with his coach. He's going to be back. Chief Craig Berube, who joins us now on 101 ESPN. Coach, it's always great to talk to you on the home of the Blues. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good, guys. How are you? Everything's great. Are you out on the golf course now? Uh, not yet, but I probably will be today. Uh, well, Chief, you always tell us like it is whenever you address the media, so give it to us straight. Give us an assessment of Craig Berube's golf game. <laughs> Just okay. Not that great. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay sometimes. I can play. I mean, I get it around. I can play, you know, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not that. I'm, I'm, I, I'm inconsistent, you know, just like – most guys, you know, I but I I play a lot and I enjoy playing and uh, you know, I can hit it good, but I can also I can go I can go bad too. <laughs> I'm sure, Craig. I love that. I'm sure you've had the opportunity to play at a lot of great courses. Where's your favorite place that you've ever played? Um, well, there's a like where I live here. There's so many good golf courses in the New Jersey and the Philadelphia area, like the Pennsylvania area on this side. But I would say Pine Valley or Marion are the two best courses I've played, I think. Uh, Pine Valley's in New Jersey and Marion's in uh, Pennsylvania here. They're both fairly close to my place. Um, you know, they're, they're great places that have uh, been around a long time. And, uh, 
highly viewed and ranked in the world. Chief, how cool was it last year to be on a course with Jack Nicholas playing and, and you're out there with Ozzy and you, you've got two more this year with Lee Trevino and, and Nancy Lopez, people that you grew up knowing about as golfers. How, how fun is that for you? Oh, it's great for me. I mean, to be honest, last year, you know, you're playing with Jack and Tom and Ozzy. I mean, they're legends of their game, of their sports in, in my eyes. And oh, most people's eyes, I mean, they're great players and great guys to be around. Um, I thought it was a great day. And uh, to be able to get out there and play with those guys is pretty special for me. Okay, let's assume that Craig Ruby and Ryan O'Reilly are not on the same team in the Legends Classic next week. What's that competition going to be like? <laughs> It'll be good. I mean, O'Reilly's a competitive guy. We all know that. So, uh, you know, he's going to want to do well and uh, win those skins. You know, it was amazing. Like, I was Tom Watson's partner, and on the first tee's like, look, we're here to win. and not not coming back right away. Like, this guy's 71 years old, and he's competitive as hell still. I love that. Over a charity event. <laughs> That's beautiful. That, that fire doesn't go away. Now, uh, Chief, if you aren't paired with Ryan O'Reilly, and he is your competition, is there bragging rights at stake here? Is he going to be able to make some calls at practice, maybe? I don't know. you got to let us know. Well, I'm sure he'll let the boys know if he wins, and uh, he'll let them know how I play, I'll tell you that. So it'll be fun. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm glad O'Reilly's going to play in it. Um, I think it's great that he's playing it. The fans are going to want to see him for sure. And, uh, you know, it'll be great. It'll be a great day. You're obviously an expert at hockey. You've played at the highest levels. You've coached at the highest levels. So I'm sure there's not as many nerves, even if it's in a high-pressure situation when it comes to hockey. But what about last year when you went out there for the Ascension Charity Classic and this year? Did you get nervous before you went out there? Yeah, that first tee shot, I was the first one to go. I was pretty nervous, to be honest with you. I was like going, just make good contact. Like, don't <laughs> don't shank it or something like that. That's what I was worried about. So uh, the first couple holes, I was, you know, a little bit nervous about doing well or making a good shot at least. But then it goes away after a while. It was a lot of fun. Hey, Chief, you've made it a point ever since you took over as head coach to really get integrated into this community. And obviously the Blues do a great job with the platform, but you personally do a great job with your platform. As a former player and as a coach, how important is that when you get to a town to get as integrated into the community and do things like this? Well, it's really important. I mean, look, you know, the fans, there's what they would, that's what drives the game. Uh, they're very important. And we have a great, uh, we have a great fan base. We have, you know, they love the game there, uh, both baseball and hockey and golf. You know, you can tell when you have a, a tournament like this one coming up, how many fans are going to it and they're there. So, you know, I make it a point to get out in the community and do as much as I can. And, uh, because I know that uh, without that fan support, it would not be a very good place uh, to coach or play. So we're very lucky with our fan base and our support we have in that town. So you want to give back as much as you can, show your appreciation to our fans. Well, you do a great job, Craig, of making yourself available to the fans. You join our afternoon show, The Fast Lane, weekly to talk hockey with the boys. And we have a player that joins us in the morning. It was David Perron, but since he's not with the Blues anymore, our new player that's going to join us weekly is Robert Thomas. And we're thrilled to be talking to him every week. But give us a little insight into Robert Thomas. What's maybe something that we can ask him that he's interested in or something we can give him a hard time about? (laughs) Well, Robbie's, you know, he's 
an up-and-coming star, in my opinion. Um, I think last year was a real breakthrough season for him uh, from an offensive standpoint and an all-around game. And he's the few, he's the one of the, the key pieces to the future of this team. Uh, so I think it's great you're having him on. Uh, he's a great guy, um, very well liked on our hockey team. Um, he's pretty quiet though, you know. You gotta you gotta get him going. He's gotta open up a little bit to you guys. That that'll be the key to get get him to open up a little bit. Uh, on the air. I think you can get on him a little bit about that. Yeah, we figured that if he lived in Walt's house as long as he did, <laughs> he probably didn't get much, of, get much of an opportunity to talk there. No, it would have been tough with uh, Walt and his two boys, I'm sure. <laughs> but, you know, to be honest with you, that was a great spot for him to go. You know, you're, you, you you get to go live with, a, you know, a former great player in uh, Walt. And his two boys, who are very good players in the National Hockey League and are having great careers, like their dad. Um, so, Robbie was brought up really well there for sure. Um, and uh, I think you know it was fortunate for us that he he got the time to spend there and 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 be with Walt, be with his boys. Coach, we're only about three weeks away from the first preseason game. Twenty-three days from today is the first preseason game. Are you ready to rock and roll right now? Oh, I am. Yeah, I get itchy this time of year for sure. It's a lot of downtime right now. There's not much going on in the league or anything. You know, guys are back skating, getting going again. But everybody's ready to everybody's ready to go now. And you just got to get through these two or three weeks of downtime, uh, which can drag on a little bit for us. Uh, you know, we've been waiting all summer. Like, you know, it's over now. Um, we're ready to go. And I know that once everybody hits the ice and gets together, you'll get a better sense of what your team is. But how do you like the Blues heading into this season, Coach? Uh, some of the, the signings were good. Like, we, we got some real grit down in our our, uh, our bottom half of our lineup uh, with Akari and um, Highmore and um, guys like that. I think that, you know, they're going to add energy and grit to our team, which is needed, I think. Um, you know, we lost David Perron, but you know, we have Cairo and Thomas coming up and they're, and they're, they're getting better and better as it goes along. So uh, I still like our team. The Letty signing was great. I thought uh, he played really well for us. And I think that really makes our decor strong, um, adding him. And uh, Thomas Grice has had some good years in the league as a backup goalie. He's done well. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been there for a while. He's really committed to us. He moved there right away and has been training there. So that's a good sign. Chief, we're looking forward to you being back in town next week, September 10th, the Legends Classic at the Ascension Charity Classic that afternoon with Nancy Lopez and Lee Trevino, Ryan O'Reilly, Ozzie Smith. It should be a fun time, and we'll see you out there. You got it. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Look forward to it. All right, Coach, thank you. That is the head coach of your St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube on 101 ESPN. I can't ever imagine Chief being nervous. It's so funny for me to think of him stepping up to that first tee and getting a little nervous saying, don't shank it. That's the thing, though. Think about it from this perspective. He can hit it well, but he's got galleries on both sides. I, I know, I know. <laughs> so hit it hard and hit somebody. <laughs> totally, but we always think about him as so so even keel, cool, calm, right. collected. Nothing ever shakes him. So I love that that even Craig Berube gets nervous sometimes. And by the way, last night in our uh, So Long For Now dinner with Michelle, we went over to Palmano's. And as you walk in, there's tons of St. Louis celebrity pictures. And it, it's a blues restaurant. There's no doubt about it. But they're front and center as you walk through their, their lobby area is a picture of, uh, of Chiefs celebrating the Stanley Cup.
if you haven't been to Palmano's, you need to go. 10 out of 10, highly recommend. But I think there's a lot of people, Randy, in St. Louis that have a photo like that with the cup. Yeah. It might not be with Craig Bruby celebrating at the <laughs> restaurant with the cup, but for so many people in St. Louis, that was the pinnacle for us. I mentioned last week our, our late great friend Jeff Burton from 1057 The Point and a huge, huge mm-hmm. blues fan. And I was I mentioned to Donnie Fandango and to you how thankful I was, and I'm sure how thankful Jeff was that before he passed, he did have the opportunity to see the Blues win a Stanley Cup and got a chance to pose with it. Absolutely. It's it's still unbelievable that it happened in the way that it happened. You couldn't have scripted it any better. No, and the, for those people that were lifelong Blues fans who have passed since, thank goodness they got that opportunity. Coming up next, we've got the fight for you here on 101 ESPN. Hey, I'm a hockey player, but I'm playing golf today. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive, welcome Randy Character. in St. Louis. That time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I've been working on the fight as a producer for a long time. I've been in this chair for a little over, or about two years. And other than Dad's Week, when we had my dad do the fight and Randy Carricker's son, Patrick, do the fight, I don't think I've ever known the person on the other end of this line. We have all of these people that, that listen and text in, and today I get word that it's Shane that's going to join us, and it turns out that the Shane that's joining us is my friend from high school, Shane Dittleman, who is brave enough to be Randy's competition on Character and Smallman this morning on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Shane. How are you, bud? Well, I was doing all right until I realized that I was had to follow up against the Chiefs, you know. <laughs> I, that's a pretty big guess, and then, then you get me. <laughs> uh, you are uh, an A-plus person on the show, Shane. We love you. And maybe Chief just cleared the runway for you. Maybe he provided you that championship mentality that helped him win the cup that's going to help you win the fight today. Hey, I'm going to need all the help I can get, that's for sure. No, you're going to do great. <laughs> well, it's great to talk to you, Shane, and good luck to you. You know I'm pulling for you. Thank you. All right, here we go. Question number one for Shane. Who is the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl? Is it Mike Tomlin, Bill Parcells, or Sean McVay? Sean McVay. The longest pass in Super Bowl history is 85 yards. Which QB threw that pass in their loss to the New England Patriots? Was that Matt Ryan, Donovan McNabb, or Jake DeLome? Uh, I'll go with A. Matt Ryan, Shane? Yes. Okay, just wanted to confirm. Question number three for Shane. There have been 13 different 20-sack seasons since the stat became official in 1982. Who was the first player to hit that mark? Is it Mark Gastonow? Is it Lawrence Taylor? Or is it Reggie White? I'm going Lawrence Taylor. And happy happy birthday... Excuse me, I'm sorry. Happy <laughs> birthday! I got a tickle in my throat. I can't get rid of it. Happy birthday to Clinton Portis. The eccentric running back was traded to the Redskins in 2004 for what eventual Hall of Famer? Was that Antoine Winfield, Champ Bailey, or Charles Woodson? Can you repeat the question one more time. 
Happy birthday to Clinton Portis. The eccentric running back was traded to the Redskins in 2004 for what eventual Hall of Famer? Was that Antoine Winfield, Champ Bailey, or Charles Woodson? You know, uh, Champ Bailey. Okay, okay. Score is confirmed. I don't see right. Oh, there he is. Waving him in. All right, Shane, tell me how you're feeling. Ah. <laughs> uh. Pretty, pretty nervous over here right now. I'm pretty sure I just blacked out for that 30 seconds. I'm not even sure what just happened. <laughs> Shane, I have been in your seat, okay? I've had to take the fight. Whenever Randy's out, I get the call to do this thing. This segment oh, was man. not built for me, Shane. I am not a sports trivia savant, so I understand. I, too, black out when I have to take the fight. I had, I had my buddy Kemmer tell me last night, he said, yeah, a little bit of, little bit of knowledge and, and a whole lot of gumption. You should be all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a winning combo, Shane. Randy, say good morning to Shane, my friend from high school who's doing the oh, fight today. Shane, good morning. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. We really appreciate it. Good morning, Randy. It's, a, it's an honor to be on the show. Thank you. Shane said that he was so nervous he blacked out. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it does. Just a casual blackout in the morning. No problem. I think I answered, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You did a great job, Shane. Randy, are you ready to go? Ready. Question number one for Megamind. Who is the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl? Youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. Has anybody passed Mike Tomlin? I guess Sean McVay would have passed Mike Tomlin. He's like 28, isn't he? (laughs) The dig. I'll go with Ryan Seacrest. I know that was painful for you to acknowledge that Sean McVay won a Super Bowl. (laughs) The longest pass in Super Bowl history is 85 yards. Which QB threw that pass in their loss to the New England Patriots? It must have been that... uh, Well, let's see. Loss to the Patriots. So there were two Rams games. They didn't throw an 85-yarder. Philadelphia didn't. Um, I'm thinking of Shim Muhammad from Jake Delon, the Cajun, Cajun Cannon. I'll go Jake Delon. Jake Delon. I don't know why, but I want to say go Tigers. <laughs> go Tigers. <laughs> go Tigers. Jake Delon to uh, Mushim Muhammad, who is not Cajun. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> Let me compose myself here. Oh, Randy, there have been 13 different 20 sack seasons since the stat became official in 1982. Who was the first player to hit that mark? Okay, so the, the 20 sack seasons. Um, so you had the, are we counting the fake um, sack that Michael Strahan got? I guess we have to. I mean, it's official, but it, they gave it to him. I'll do the lifeline here, Michelle. Mark Gastineau, Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White. Mark Gastineau definitely had a 20-sack season. And I believe that he had to have that before. I don't think LT ever had a 20. I don't think Reggie ever had a 20. So I'll go with Mark Gastineau. Happy birthday to Clinton Portis. The eccentric running back was traded to the Redskins in 2004 for what eventual Hall of Famer? Eccentric and bankrupt, by the way, and maybe even imprisoned. I'm not sure. What a resume. So being a Washington fan, I am aware of the uh, success 
that Clinton Portis had, both as a member of the Denver Broncos and the Washington, at the time, Redskins, he was traded for a guy that I wanted the Rams to take instead of Tory Holt. That would be one Champ Bailey. Good trade. That's a good football trade right there. Right? For, I mean, Portis was productive for Washington. Shanahan but, running back. Yeah, there you go. Of course, the Rams wouldn't consider Champ Bailey. Well, the Tory was okay. Yeah, I know. But I'm just saying. Yeah. That's and Champ. Historically. Historically. That's true, yeah. Okay, Shane blacked out. He he admitted he blacked out for about 30 seconds. He gave us some answers. <laughs> Were they the right answers? Did he beat Randy? Did Shane take down Megamind? Matt, ring the bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Just win, baby. Shane, you might have blacked out, but you got two right. You did a great job. You beat Randy, or excuse me, Randy beat you, though, four to two. He got the jack. He's Megamind, but I'm sorry. Hey, that's all right. At least I, I know I'm going to get a lot of text over this. At least I got a couple right. If I, if I went over four, I'd have been in trouble. Uh, <laughs> well, let's find out which ones you got right. So the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl, begrudgingly, it is Sean McVay. Ryan Seacrest. Yeah, he beat out Mike Tomlin only by a few months, though, turning 36 just a few weeks before he won the Super Bowl. The longest pass in Super Bowl history is 85 yards, and it was Jake DeLome that threw it to Mushan Muhammad um, in the fourth quarter, and they're lost to the New England Patriots. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. There have been 13 different 20-sack seasons since the stat became official in 1982. The first player to ever hit that mark was in 1984, and it was Mark Gastineau. Did T.J. Watt break that record? Did he break the Strahan record? Is that who was Tied it? He tied 20, 22 Okay, so he's the third after Strahan? Yes. Okay. Um, and yeah, so Strahan and Watt tied for number one with 22 and a half. Um, and then you had uh, Reggie White, by the way, 21 in oh. 87, and Lawrence Taylor, 20.5 in 86. There we go. And happy birthday to Clinton Portis. Wonder what he's doing to celebrate. Um, maybe they're uh, giving him some extra slop as he goes through the line. <laughs> Let's see if he's in prison. Yeah, find that out. Get research on that. The eccentric running back was traded to the then Redskins in 2004 for Champ Bailey, the eventual Hall of Famer. Second rounder at the time. Well, Shane, while Randy looks this up, uh, since I know you and I love you, this is your time to shout somebody out. So give us a shout out, Shane, before you go. Oh, I guess we'll uh, throw out a shout-out to the Altoff Legends Club and to uh, Altoff Football for Coach Frazier for tomorrow night's game. And uh, since I'm on the radio, i got to say it. Hi, Mom. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go, Shane. I love that. And, yes, let's go Crusaders and Coach Frazier tomorrow night. Thanks, Shane. Love you, bud. Thanks for participating today. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Bye. Shane. Great to have you with us. Clinton Portis sentenced to six months in prison on January 7th, I don't know if he reported then, hmm. but he uh, pled guilty to defrauding a health care program for retired NFL players, played nine seasons in the league. So he got six months of prison and then six six months of home confinement. So, uh, Clinton, if you're listening, great, great to have you tuned in. I know that you're probably a captive audience, but we appreciate you listening. Oh, captive, Randy. <laughs> well, he's, if he's in his house or in prison, he's probably not going anywhere today. Do you think Clinton's listening right now on the 101 ESPN app? I know a lot of people do. Very little doubt in my mind. Clinton, if you are tuned in, or if you are just tuned in from prison, text us 65780 on your burner phone that you got in a cake (laughs) that somebody brought to you. If you're in a maximum security. Do you think with technology today, though, that people can get burner phones through a cake? Yeah, no problem. I don't know. Scan that. There's got to be some... 
technology that's out there that prevents the phones from getting in. But there's no question, because I've seen it on TV and in movies, that you can get burner phones into a prison. <laughs> I've seen it with my own two eyes. I've seen it. <laughs> Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk more blues hockey with our blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, who knows nothing about being inside a prison. <laughs> He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Well, Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic, he covered... Mike Danton, so he's known a felon in the past. But the question of the morning, Jr., is do you know the inside of those walls? Have you ever been convicted of a felony? Does a holding cell count as prison? It kind of does. Oh, give us the story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So I ran a red light. Uh, We had a family friend that was a lawyer. He said he would fix the ticket. I found out a couple years later when I was cruising Lindbergh and the nice cop pulled me over that he did not fix that ticket from a few years ago. So I went to the Clayton uh, holding cell. And uh, in there, I'm sitting with a few guys, a few nice gentlemen. And uh, one guy says that, uh, you you know what I'm in for? And we all said, what? He said, I had a bag of salt, a sugar, and they said it's a rock. They're going to send it to the lab. I bet you when it comes back, it's going to be a rock. And I'm thinking to myself, I have got to get out of here. So I, I <laughs> called my mom. I said, Mom, come get me. Come get me. I'm in the jail. And, and she said, uh, uh, you know, wake her up in the middle of the night. She didn't know any better. And so anyway, a couple hours later, she still hadn't been there. And I call her back. And this is back in the days of landline. So if you call somebody on a cell, they could still be on the drive there, right? But I reach her on the landline at home again. I'm not kidding, Mom. Come get me. I'm <laughs> I am really in here. Oh, my goodness. She didn't think you were? Time, she thought you were joking? No. Yeah, she thought I was joking, oh, and she never came. And in the meantime, another guy woke up, and he's uh, like, he's got like a, a stack of tickets. It's like, it looks like a, a deck of playing cards, and he flips through them and said it was his fifth DWI that night. And I was never happier to see my mom man. show up. Wow. But, That's yeah. prolific, man. Yeah. That'll get you get in jail. Five, five DWIs. Yeah. That'll get you a prison term. Jeez. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so never made it up to the bars, but sat in that uh, Clayton holding cell for a little while. Well, I'm glad your mom rescued you, Jr. But as you were sitting <laughs> in the yeah, finally, as you were sitting there in the holding cell though, and you were with these uh, gentlemen, were you thinking, if I have to defend myself, can I do it? Were you think, were you sizing everyone up and thinking this could go left in, at some point? Well, yeah, I was, uh, but back in that day, I would have lost that fight because uh, I was actually smaller back then. It wasn't until later on in life when I discovered the Velveeta cheese hot dog <laughs> and uh, gained, <laughs> gained a little weight. So I would have lost that fight back in jail. <laughs> Jeremy Rutherford with us on 101 ESPN. Hey, you heard the interview with Craig Ruby, and he's excited about some of the new guys that the Blues have brought aboard. As they start training camp, we've heard a lot. The, the Blues have talked a lot. I know you've talked to people about Achari. He's an interesting guy, isn't he, as a possible fourth-line center? Yeah, he really is. You know, uh, the past couple of years in Florida, he, he put up uh, 20 goals a couple of years ago, and, and so I don't think you you know sign him expecting he's going to come in and do that with uh, the Blues. But I think what he does is he gives the Blues a guy who's played in the league before. You know, they've been trying out a lot of these guys on the fourth line the past couple of years, and I liked them. Like, I, I liked the Dakota Joshua. You know, I, I liked uh, when some other guys got some opportunity. 
you know, but they didn't have that experience. And so I think that's what Doug Armstrong was going for when he brought a few of these guys in. So I like the Achari signing, you know, Craig Bruby touched on him. Uh, he's going to bring some experience. So I think that's the one thing that gets overlooked in this Blues offseason, you know, some disappointment with Kachuk, Kachuk not coming, you know, Perron leaving. Uh, but I think uh, – boosting that fourth line a little bit it should be noticeable in camp and as you get started early in the season yeah jr uh chief specifically mentioned how that was going to bring bring some grit to that line and that the team needed that do you think that that's something that the blues have been lacking in the past few years yeah for sure you know i think especially it got away from them you know randy has talked about it in the past it was such a big deal in 2019 and a couple of those guys hung around for a few more years you know sunquist when he was healthy uh, for sure provided that but you know, once he got hurt and, you know, then you, you bring in a Kyle Clifford and, you know, he really doesn't answer what you needed. Uh, I, I just think that uh, they haven't had that from that line. And I think they've had to rely a lot on the top six. And, you know, the, obviously the top six, top nine last year produced tremendously. Uh, but you still need that element. We're not talking about guys that are going to drop the gloves every other night, but just guys that can give you that grit. And so I think they've uh, at least addressed that. Jeremy Rutherford with us here on 101 ESPN. And the topic, it's amazing how the topic of the last two summers has been Vladimir Tarasenko. And JR, and you are as close to that situation as anybody in the media. It's been remarkably quiet, hasn't it, the Vladimir Tarasenko situation this summer? Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, definitely quiet. And, uh, you know, it is hard to get information on that because I think both sides wanted it to calm down and not be an issue. Uh, I remember Vladdy saying, uh, you didn't ask about my summer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just think it's a situation where if the right deal came along, if Doug Armstrong liked something, uh, you know, could it have happened with Calgary in the Kachuk talks? You know, perhaps if Calgary had interest in uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, if he would have waived his no trade clause. So I think there are situations out there that if the right deal presented itself, it could have come to fruition. But I just don't see... You know, many situations like that, it's tough for a team to take on a $7.5 million salary uh, on the AAV if, you know, this time of the year, if you're talking about teams that are up against the cap. So, you know, super quiet, Um, you know, you go back and forth. But at this point, I see Tarasenko on the team. He's out there practicing at Centene, getting ready for the season. And, you know, if you're the Blues, you got to look at the situation like, look what he did last year. And now he's going to be in the final year of the contract, potentially going into UFA and, and looking for a place after St. Louis. So uh, you got to expect that that could be a really hungry Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, we asked Craig Bruby this. I'm going to be gone, but Randy and his new co-host are going to be talking to Robert Thomas weekly. He's going to take David Perron's spot doing the weekly blues hit here on the morning show on 101 ESPN. And Jer, you talk to these guys all the time. You're always in the dressing room. So give Randy a scouting report on what he can expect chatting with Robert <laughs> Thomas every week. Yeah, I heard Chief's answer. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I listen to the show a lot. But, uh, <laughs> I did hear uh, Chief's answer, and I think he's right. you got to get him to open up, and Randy will definitely be able to do that. You know, I go back to Robert Thomas's rookie year. I was uh, with the Athletics, you know, then, and, and um, we did something called Robert Thomas's Rookie Diary. And every single day after practice, Robert Thomas knew it was coming. He agreed to it. I would walk up to his locker stall and just get one minute. What happened today? Tell me what happened today. And then I'd go back to my computer and, and transcribe it. And he was great about it. He'd find a detail you know, maybe it was a coach that came up to him and said something or a player he was in awe of or a play that was made out on the ice. And, you know, we filled up the diary and it, it was good stuff. But but Chief is right, guys. He is quiet, but I think you can get him going. And uh, heck, with $65 million in his bank now, he uh, <laughs> he definitely needs to understand, and he will, 
that he's a big part of this organization and his voice matters. So I can't wait to hear him uh, in his interviews. You guys did such a great job with the David Braun stuff. That was great to hear from David yesterday. I wish him Michelle well. And I think this will carry on with uh, Robert Thomas. And, Jr. I know how much affinity you have for Michelle Smallman. Mm-hmm. This is your last hit that you're going to do with us as Carriker and Smallman on the air. And I want to give you the opportunity to uh, to wish Michelle well, if you want to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely, for sure. You know what? When I heard about this uh, a few weeks ago from uh, Michelle, honestly, the first thought was that, you know, the show as we know it, of course, the show will continue to you know do great things. But the show as we know it with Michelle you know, it won't be the same. And, and as I just said a minute ago, I, I drive around, I tune in every day. And, you know, I joke with Michelle about this all the time. She's the only person I know that can tell you, you know, like the, the starting center for the Seattle Seahawks. And then she can tell you, you know, what was on Kevin Durant's Instagram last night. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and, and I use her uh, to help, uh, you know, I get a 13 year old girl and uh, sometimes Michelle uses those hip trendy words. And, and so I feel like when I go home, uh, I can talk like that to my daughter, and, and she understands what I'm saying. So, uh, no, she's done a great job. I'll, I'll say this, Michelle. There was a time, you probably remember it a couple of years ago, you know, your job was shifting, you had different titles, you know, and you told me that you were going to do the website. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I was happy for you because, you know, you had a smile on your face, and I just thought, she is so talented. She needs to be on the air. She needs to be on a good show. And, you know, people just aren't going to see or feel her talents on the website. And so I was so happy when you got the show, and especially when you got on with Randy. I've been listening every day. You do a phenomenal job, and best of luck. Thank you, JR. And I appreciate your support so much. You do listen all the time, and you're constantly texting us and and telling us about segments you liked or that was a good question. And you don't know how much that means to me because – we really don't know a lot of the time. We don't really get a gauge of how we're doing. I mean, sure, we get the ratings, but to have somebody who's as talented as you and who's really, really good at their craft and in this profession and someone that I respect telling me that I'm doing a good job, that means so much to me. And I will be bugging you a lot during blue season, JR, so it's definitely not goodbye. It's I'll text you in five minutes. <laughs> All right, I'm already looking at the, those blues New York trips, and uh, I'll meet a lunch buddy. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> Consider it done. Thanks, JR. And JR, just All FYI, right. a, a texter text in that says Clinton Portis was released from prison on August 22nd. So congratulations, Clinton. Yes. Last week, you're a free man per the Bureau of uh, Prisons Inmate Locator. Maybe his mom finally went and picked him up. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Can I give one more text? We have one from the 636 that says, I pulled JR over a couple years ago for speeding on a country road. I gave him a warning and I'll say he's a really nice guy when you stop him. (laughs) <laughs> hey, thanks to that gentleman. I do remember that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's about 35 miles an hour on that road. And uh, I was surprised to get a warning. And I, I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> JR, have a great day. Thank you, sir. All right, you guys too. Thanks a lot. That is Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. I imagine when you are a a cop and you pull people over, a lot of people are probably combative or, you know, they're angry and you go up to the window and here's Jeremy Rutherford, the nicest guy in the world. It's probably, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give you a warning since you're so nice. Yeah. Do you know why I pulled you over? Yeah. <laughs> I do. I'm sorry, my bad. <laughs> it's character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, how good are the Cardinals? Greg Emsinger of MLB Network has a pretty high opinion of him. It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
are the four best teams in baseball all in the National League. Obviously, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Atlanta Braves, and I think the Cardinals have played their way into that conversation. At the end of the day, they're the only team in baseball with two legitimate MVP candidates. Now you got Jack Flaherty dominating uh, in his rehab start. If he comes back and gives you anything, this team is going to be vaulted right into that conversation. The National League race has changed completely. That's our friend Greg Amsinger of MLB Network with us earlier this morning. It's 9.04. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Greg was making that point based upon the fact that Justin Verlander is now hurt for Houston and the Yankees have one of the worst records in baseball since Mm -hmm. the trade deadline and the Yankees and Astros both have better records than the Cardinals but the Dodgers have the best record in baseball, Mets the third best record in baseball, Braves fourth best record in baseball, Cardinals sixth best record in baseball. I think that is a fair argument to make as we sit here Michelle on September 1st. The only thing I, I might pose though is that it seems like the Yankees ebbs and flows especially the the down part of august might just be because they locked things up seemingly a while ago and i wonder if we don't see the yankees turn the corner a bit and get a little bit hotter in september and exert their dominance even even though there are some questions i do think that they'll be in that conversation too they absolutely will but make not having severino for the rest of the year, I think hurts their starting rotation. Frankie Montas really hasn't taken off for them. They've lost Rizzo now on a day-to-day basis because of a back injury, and he's had back problems in the past. They're starting to get their bullpen back, though, and that's going to be the big key for them is Zach Britton's out on an injury rehab right now. Uh, They have the opportunity to get a couple of their other pitchers back, Jimmy Cordero, but you lose your best starting pitcher in Nestor Cortez, you lose Severino, and Montas hasn't lived up to the expectations that you had for him. That's why they are where they are right now. If they don't get Cortez back to where he was in the early part of the season, they've got real problems. But to throw the Cardinals in that mix in the National League, I think, is more than fair. I know that their strength of schedule hasn't been as as difficult as some of the other teams that are in the conversation, but they've got really everything going for them, and I think that they could beat anybody when they have faced tough competition. They've handled them. They swept the Yankees. They should have swept the, the Brewers in the second half. They took two of three versus Milwaukee, and then they just took two of three versus the Braves. I have no doubt, Randy, when the Cardinals face up against the Dodgers later this month, that they'll be able to go toe-for-toe with L.A. Now, we had hoped and dreamed, at least I had, that maybe the Cardinals could catch up to the Mets. But now the Mets, after this Dodgers series that they just completed, they have the easiest record left in baseball. Cardinals have the second easiest. Mets have the easiest record the remaining part of the season. Cardinals are seven games behind there, them. So they aren't catching the Mets or the Dodgers. So the Cardinals will have to play in the wild card round. I don't have a problem with that. And that's another reason that Jack Flaherty will be a big deal, because you don't have off days. You're going to have three straight games or two, but a maximum of two days off if you if you sweep in the first round. And by the way, we should note that if the playoffs started today, the Cardinals would play the Padres here in St. Louis for a best of three. But if you win that, if you could have, let's just throw out the idea of Wainwright starting game one, mm-hmm. Miles starting game two, and if you have to play game three, it'll be Jack Flaherty. Oh, let's go Jordan Montgomery. I was going to say, I'd throw Jordan Montgomery in there. You don't feel pretty, very bad, depending, upon, obviously, on how he looks, but based on the the good Jack Flaherty that we've seen, how about him starting game one of an NLDS at 
On the road, yeah. Yeah, it'd be at New York. So it'd be Flaherty against DeGrom or Scherzer, and then maybe Quintana against DeGrom or Scherzer, and then you can come back with the first three guys that you pitched. If Jack Flaherty looks like Jack Flaherty in the second half of 2019... I'm excited. Or the first part of 2021. He was 9-1. He was the best yeah, pitcher in the point. National League before he got hurt. I always go back to that historic he, second where half, he though, where he was yeah. just so dumb. Because we know that that's the peak. We've seen what the ceiling is for Jack Flaherty, and it's an unbelievably high ceiling. It is. So that's what I always go back to. But am I going to place those expectations on him? No, because we have had some false starts so far this season. But if you could even get maybe 60% of 2019 second half, Jack Flaherty. I like your chances if I'm the Cardinals. Yeah, I think that they have a a great opportunity. And those pitching acquisitions at the deadline might mean more than we thought when they were made. And I I liked the moves, but it added depth to the rotation. But now if the Cardinals have to play in that first series, and it seems like they will, you're going to have to have rotation depth for the second round. Mm -hmm. And if you can throw... A Flaherty and a Quintana, just as an example out there, to for game one and two of a series, I'm willing to take my chances with the Cardinals offense as it is. I'm willing to take my chances with those guys against any pair of pitchers that I see. I, I wonder if there'll be any limitations on Jack when he returns. I, I mean, at the outset, I'm sure they're going to be careful. But if it comes to playoff time, even if he's proven in a couple starts that he's healthy, do you think that they'll put any sort of limitations on him? I don't think that they should. And uh, last night, he didn't have any. What was his line last night? Uh, Let me just get the latest for you. Um, Hold on here. Here, I'm looking it up, too. Okay. But he's not... It's a race to get it first. Yeah, he's not supposed to have any limitations at all for the number of pitches that that he's going to throw. Katie Wu tweets, he came a strike shy of finishing out the seventh. Yeah, he, he struck out six of the first ten hitters he faced, so he looks good. And so with no pitch limitations. Six and two-thirds. Yeah, I can't imagine that he'll be like in midseason form on October 1st. I can't imagine that there would be any limitations on him. This Cardinals team is rocking and rolling. They're feeling very confident in themselves. Imagine, though, if you're in the clubhouse and you get Jack Flaherty back what that does for you mentally. Not that they need a mental push by any means, because without him, I still think that they're confident in Mm -hmm. themselves and they have a good ball club. But if you can throw Jack Flaherty on top of what you already have, watch out. Yeah, pretty scary for other teams. Jack, by the way, last night, uh, nine strikeouts, three earned runs, seven hits and two walks. Mm -hmm. So go Jack, go. 102 pitches. That's what we're looking for. So he should, let's see, if you increase it by 20%, he should be at 120 for his next start. And I was going to say, on August 26th, the start right before this one, he was at 85. So 85 to 103, that's that's the kind of improvement. Just like when that first to the second one, he went from 94 to 97 consistently, that improvement in pitch count with that kind of numbers, that is a huge thing to see. So hopefully, knock on wood, that's the sort of Jack Flaherty that we see next week. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. That's Matthew. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we have three questions in the NFL about not the New England Patriots, as my grid says, but the Chicago Bears. Duh, Bears. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Have any other questions for me, counselor? 
I don't really understand your question. Are you for me? I'm right. It's a question. That's a clown question, bro. Then shalt thou count to three. No more, no less. And now, it's time for three questions on the Chicago Bears. It is time for three questions. There are a lot more than three about the Chicago Bears for 2022. They've got uh, some issues with the the, the Bears. And we're going to start with this one, Matthew. Number one. Yeah, I could come out with this one and just say, question one through five, the Bears offensive line. It's not (laughs) going to be good. In fact, Robert Mays of The Athletic pointed out when he was watching the Bears in the preseason that if they don't bootleg Justin Fields about 50% of the time, they're going to get him killed this year. So, the bottom line, can Justin Fields put any kind of base down as a solid quarterback this year with this offensive line, with this offense in front of him? Well, they did just pick up Alex Leatherwood, who was a first-round draft pick last year of the Raiders. Why, why, sorry, they picked him up. How is he available if he's a first-round pick? He last was waived year? by the stupidest team in the league. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, well, not, maybe not the stupidest, but one of the stupidest teams. Tied for first, maybe. Yeah. So, and it's, <laughs> the Bears might be right there with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Bears are kind of scuffling, and they don't have a good offensive line, and they don't have weapons. Yet they traded up to get Justin Fields, and they are going to waste him. I. I'm I'm so conflicted here because Luke Getze, who the Bears got from the Packers and installed as their offensive coordinator, I think was a great hire. And he seemingly is building a really friendly scheme for Justin Fields. And Justin Fields, at times, we've seen flashes of him where he looks like he could be really dominant and, and he's going to be the right guy in Chicago. He's got that raw athleticism. He looks like he could be the type of talent to elevate those around him. But I don't know if he's going to get the opportunity to because I think he's going to be Joe Burrow where he's not going to be protected at all. Now, Joe Burrow obviously still made it to a Super Bowl last year and I don't think the Bears are... Anywhere near that. But I just hope that he doesn't get injured. I hope that they do enough to protect him. And I can't understand, Randy, how these NFL teams get a talent like Andrew Luck or Joe Burrow or Justin Fields. And then the next move isn't to protect them. He's going to be protected on his blind side by a fifth round rookie (sighs) this year. A guy named Braxton Jones. I don't know how that helps him. He, He looks for all the world to me like a guy who's going to wind up like RG3. Which is so sad. Yeah. How often we talk about the Rams, just irresponsibility and not getting a real talented left tackle that you know, that could be there for a stalwart in front of Sam Bradford. And that was with a second round pick. And we, and we gave them a, a lot for a top 40 pick being their left tackle for Sam Bradford. This is a fifth rounder that you're sticking behind mm-hmm. a guy you traded up for. This is That is coaching, team building malpractice. By the way, their backup left tackle is Mizzou's own Larry Borum. So... Go Larry. I wonder how they'll fit Leatherwood in there. They uh, right now have him listed as a backup at right guard. And they did get Riley Reef, who's been a good player in the past. He's at right tackle now. But every time I've seen them, and I've seen them a lot because they air them on Channel 4, boy, they do not look good. Number two. Well, one person whose job it is to make him look a little bit better is head coach Matt Eberflus. He's the defensive coordinator for the Colts for a long time. Not a lot of success in the league recently for defensive coordinators. He does have a great offensive coordinator in Luke Getze. So a whole new staff for the Bears. Can they put it together? Can they salvage anything from this season? Gary Pinkle guy. There you go. 
I like the hire. I like the staff. He seems like a guy who surrounds himself with smart people and delegates. What we're seeing out of him so far, I think, is positive. If you're a Bears fan, you have to like some of the things you've seen Iberflus do and think that he's the right hire. But the problem is that the decay is so far rotted in the Chicago Bears organization that I think it's going to take him a while to bring them back to life. I don't think we're going to maybe we'll see little signs of a pulse here and there this season. But I hope that the Bears give him enough runway to actually build the right team. And that doesn't really happen a lot in the NFL. You mentioned that he'd been the Colts defensive coordinator for a long time. And I know somebody that uh, is around the Colts a lot who says he was a terrible hire. Oh, no, Randy, really? And yeah. that person, we trust their opinion. Oh, That's big time. So I did know. that person, who shall remain nameless, yep. expand on their thoughts as to why this was a terrible hire? Says there's absolutely no creativity, won't adjust to new things in the league, is not an innovator by any stretch, and is still trying to play football though the way it was played 10 years ago. But Getze is lauded all the time for yep. his creativity and innovation so maybe he's not that guy but has done the th- the right thing in hiring those who are and is giving them the leash to be themselves and implement their schemes if you're a bears fan you have to hope that's the case because we've seen it in the past where saw it with spags meeting with the quarterback right you can't have a defensive-minded head coach meeting one-on-one with the quarterback you need to have the offensive coordinator do the job that he was hired to do how have things gone so awry for the bears this is a, a proud organization, one, mm-hmm. one of the stalwarts of the NFL. You know, a, a team that was in a Super Bowl in, what, 07? I mean, I know that was a, a minute ago. But there's no way the Chicago Bears should be this bad. There isn't, no. But they've had some foolish coaching hires. How they hired Mark Trestman to be their head coach is beyond me. How they fired Lovey Smith is beyond me. Not saying that Lovey should still be the head coach there. But Lovey had won 11 games, I think, the year before he was fired. He has one bad season, and they let him go. And then just a string of bad hires. Matt Nagy is the Andy Reid guy that can't head coach and had very little or no creativity. And then just building a team. Trading up to get a quarterback when you don't have an offensive line. What's Nick Vermeil's first thing he does here when he comes to St. Louis? Trades for the number one pick and gets Orlando Pace. Before he gets a quarterback, before he gets Trent Green, he's got Adam Timmerman in tow. He's got Fred Miller ready to go. He's got Mike Rudadori at center. He's got an offensive line built. You can't get the quarterback without an offensive line. You have to have an offensive line, some semblance of an offensive line, if you want to have a young quarterback ascent. They were 10-6 and sixes last year. That's, yeah, that's, Lovey's last year, yeah, they were 10-6. They, they were 10-6. They, they, they were third in the NFC North, but they were 10-6. Yeah. The, they would die for 10-6 now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Lions there after firing Caldwell when they were 9-7. and seven. Like, we're better exactly. than 9-7. and seven. It's like, you're the Detroit Lions, man. Check that. Yeah. Number three. Talking about records here, so talking about a lot of rough stuff. Even the defense, the your best player doesn't really want to play for your team anymore. A lot of bad things in the formula here. So, will the Bears be the worst team in the NFL? Yes. Hmm. I think that they'll have some competition. I'm looking at you, Washington. I'm looking at you, Atlanta. Maybe Carolina in the mix. Seattle's not going to be good. There's going to be some teams that will compete with the Bears. I I think so much of it clearly depends on Justin Fields and how good right. he can be despite the circumstances around him. But things don't look good for the Bears. And I hate to say that because as an Illinois girl, I would love to see the Bears be good again. I'm with you. I think they'll be picking in the top three I don't know if they gave up the number one. I hope they didn't. I think just last year's one, number one, and I think a second rounder next year. Okay. But I agree with you on all the teams you listed, Michelle. I think that Seattle is going to be bad. I still think the Jets are going to be bad. 
But I think the Bears will be in the photo of the worst teams in the league in 2022, and they aren't making the playoffs this year with with that offense. And by the way, we talk about the offensive line, but Equinemia St. Brown, who did play for Luke Getzey in Green Bay, but he's kind of a Packer cast-off. They didn't even try to keep him. Darnell Mooney is another wide receiver they have. Cole Komet, their tight end, is, is okay. But is Fields going to be able to get those guys the ball? David Montgomery, their running back, seems to get hurt every year. They don't have a lot of great weapons either. If they, if they had weapons and no offensive line, or an offensive line and no weapons, you'd feel like, okay, there's something there to work with. You got Justin Fields and then 10 guys. Getting a true number one, a true franchise quarterback is so hard. It's I always say it's the most important currency in the NFL. And if you think that Justin Fields was, was worth getting him in the draft and you think that he has the talent to be that, you have to protect him. You have mm-hmm. to. I mean, look at what they're doing with Tua in Miami. They might not be sold on him, but... They got him, and they're surrounding him with the talent and the protection to see if he can be the guy. You have to put these guys in a position to succeed. And they traded Nick Foles. Why not let Nick Foles be the guy that exactly. gets beat up? Exactly. But they didn't. Nick, Nick Foles played for the Rams. This guy knows how to get beat up on bad right, teams. Right, right. And one more thing about that division. I think Minnesota's going to be good. I think Detroit's going to be a lot better. And obviously Green Bay is going to be the Packers. In that division... I could easily see the Bears going 0-6. Oh, man. Yeah. Why not? So it's a good it's gonna be it's not, you know, it's not a groundbreaking division. It's not the AFC West, but it is kind of a lighter version. You know, it's not three, four playoff teams, but three, four solid three t- solid teams and one that's just gonna be complete just but. Yeah. Complete <laughs> terrible. But. yeah. Complete butt. Yeah, complete butt. Yeah. That's 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 what the Bears are gonna be this entire season. What a shame. And it is. We were talking last night at dinner about the eighty five Bears. And Best best team that I've seen outside of the 99 Rams for one for one season, the 85 Bears. And they, they do have, obviously, a glorious history. They're the monsters of the Midway. Correct. And for that franchise to be in that sort of disrepair. And it's interesting to think, when you look at the NFL, how bad the Jets, Giants, and Bears are. In, yes. In your top three markets, you've got three horrific franchises going right now. Then you got the Rams in the number two market. It's not like they've all been struggling to find the most important position on the field, the most marketable one for the yeah. majority of the time. Unbelievable. And the Bears look like they, like they have the guy who might have the talent to be that guy. Right. But they're messing it up. Yeah, they're picks. self-sabotaging. CB, Chicago Bears, complete butt, as Matt said. <laughs> there you go. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. Time for... You're killing me, Smalls! Some big news coming out of the NFL, Randy. We have a quarterback that signed a big contract. <laughs> who signed? Who's, uh, oh, let me guess. Um, who got the... Baker Mayfield with the Panthers. No, no, no. He didn't get an extension. No. Uh, Lamar! No, not Lamar. No. Lamar. No, because I know that's what everyone's thinking, right? That the Ravens would lock up a deal with Lamar so it's not lingering into the yeah. season. Derek Carr. No, no, that's not it. Uh, Tua. No, no, please. Who is it? They need to see how the season plays out. 
It's Wilson and the Denver Broncos. They just reached an agreement on a five-year, $245 million contract extension and includes $165 million guaranteed. This now ties Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos for seven total years and $296 million. Doesn't this provide this deal and the Kyler Murray deal provide a template for Lamar, who is his own agent, but... Here's a guy that has been to a Super Bowl and wrote two Super Bowls and Russell Wilson hasn't won an MVP and got that sort of money. It seems like, granted, Russell's older, so maybe there's a little bit more term for Lamar. Seems to me that that should be a pretty good template for what Lamar is looking for. I would think so. Do you think that it works against him that he doesn't have an agent? Probably does. I would think that the team is probably trying to sweat him a little bit. I would think so, too. And I understand where he's coming from, probably. I know all the people that are going to get this done. I can advocate for myself. Why would I pay someone else to do that? 5%, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not cheap, especially when you're signing a big deal. However, I think there is something about having kind of a neutral party in there explaining why you're worth the money somebody that's not afraid to be hard Mm -hmm. and go at the organization because I would imagine there's some at least modicum of civility when you're talking to your bosses essentially about why you're worth this much money you know that it could potentially get contentious I would just imagine that you might get more done if there's somebody else in there, even though I really do understand why he might not want to hire somebody to do this for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It just makes sense. So, Michelle, the Murray contract is $230 million, mm-hmm. and the guarantees for Kyler are... Uh, and by the way, that was the. Uh, I'm guessing that Russell Wilson doesn't have a uh, film study clause. Uh, we have not seen that report yet, no. So, but... Uh, Murray's deal is about 105 million guaranteed at signing, 160 million guaranteed overall. Russell just got 165 for 235. So, if you are Lamar Jackson, I think you go 240 and ask for 170 in guaranteed money. It seems pretty simple. He's won an MVP. Yeah, I know Russ has a Super Bowl, but you've won the MVP. You you know what your worth is. Yeah, and I'm glad that agents and players have been mature enough, I don't know, forward thinking enough to recognize that the Deshaun deal is an outlier. That NFL quarterbacks are not going to get 100% guaranteed contracts. And hey, the Rams had a guy that got hurt, right? The St. Louis Rams in Bradford. If you give, if Deshaun Watson tears up his knee or winds up in prison or something, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that money is all guaranteed, that money's all guaranteed and it goes against your cap. And then what do you do? You're not in a good spot. No. And at one point, not too long ago, Jimmy Garoppolo was the highest paid quarterback in the league. And now the 49ers can afford, they could afford to get rid of him if they had wanted to. Yeah, the market the market dictates it. Whether just like with Kyler, even though there's some questions around Kyler Murray, if you think that he could be the guy, you got to lock him up, and the mark the market is going to dictate the price. Uh, Russell Wilson's guaranteed money in that contract one sixty. Patrick Patrick Mahomes guaranteed money in his ten year deal one forty. See, isn't that interesting? <laughs> that's actually one sixty five. Let's not forget the five yeah. million. Yeah, you you just want to be the next guy. Exactly. <laughs> um, and now I'm reading this this report from Adam Schefter on ESPN.com. No clause that I see so far banning Russell Wilson from saying Mr. Unlimited ever again, oh, which Mr. is a Unlimited. You know, that it's just a miss on the part of the Denver Broncos. 
Because he's the face mm-hmm. of your franchise. Yeah, he you is can. the brand. You can't have him saying this. No, you cannot. It's ridiculous. You have to protect yourselves. No. It, it should be in the contract. No saying. Mr. Unlimited. You're killing me, Smalls. That is actually killing me. So let's talk about something a little bit more positive. How about Serena Williams? Her swan song continues. The expected retirement is put on hold. She upset the number two seed, Annette Contivate, yesterday. She pulled off a 7-6-2-6-6-2 upset, and she's still going, Serena is. I can't believe somebody is good enough to beat Annette Contivate. I think so. I looked it up. Contivate. Because we didn't get to watch it last night. We were at dinner. Right. Serena's the goat. She is. And I'm rooting for her. And number one, I'm, I'm a sports person. I should know who the number two seed among women is at the U.S. Open. I had no idea. So should I. And but, also, I don't know either. And I do know Serena, and I'm rooting for Serena. And I hope she wins the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, we know the one we need to know. That's is exactly Serena. right. Yeah. We know who won the match. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if we had gone through the whole morning and just said, Serena Williams advanced, and never mentioned the number two seed that got eliminated, nobody would care. Annette Contivate. Yeah, I don't think your family's listening. If, uh, unless, <laughs> where's she from? I don't even know. But Contivate. Mm. I Contivate. think I'm looking it up right now. They're listening on the app. It's clearly not within our radius to listen on the air. So Annette, uh, Annette's family. She's from Estonia. Okay, we apologize for all of Estonia, to all of Estonia, that your, uh, your favorite... Uh, tennis player, I, we assume, aside from maybe Serena, that w- she lost. Randy, could you pick out Estonia on a map? That was I the exact not. question I was going to ask. Give Randy a dartboard right now. How are you doing with Estonia? No chance. I've, I said to somebody uh, it's up on the within Baltic. the last couple of days. Oh, no, it was uh, on the Baltic Sea. Oh, is it? Uh, no, it was. Uh, I'm looking it up right yeah, now. Within the last couple of days, I said to somebody, by Finland. Thank God Latvia. that the fight isn't uh, a geography fight. It borders Russia and Latvia, r- right south of Finland, and uh, the Gulf of Finland and the Baltic Sea. Huh. wonder if it's Se- a good place to ride bikes. Separating Estonia and Finland. Hmm. E-S-T-O-N-I-A? Correct. Estonia. Okay, good. Use it in a sentence. Annette Kotwait is from Estonia. We're all learning together. <laughs> we are. Love the geography question. Um... Here's Serena on if she's surprising herself that she's still playing at this level. I'm just Serena, you know, so. Um, You know, honestly, it's, you know, after I lost the second set, I thought, oh my goodness, I got to give my best effort because this could be it. And so, um, really, I just wanted to just keep trying and see what what I could do and um, just do my best. And I was just really excited, to be honest. I love how she says, I'm just Serena. <laughs> you're a singular name. You're you're like Tiger. You only have, there's only a few people who are as globally successful and popular as you. You're not just some person. You're not just Serena. You're, you're arguably the GOAT. Just look at the Michelob Ultra commercial from last year. Who was, of all of those major stars that were in that Michelob Ultra commercial, who was far and away the most recognizable of all of those major stars? It was her, right? Of course. And you're right. If you see her and Tiger, you say, okay, it's her and Tiger. But if you see her and Tiger and Giannis, who's a global superstar, you say, oh, it's Serena and Tiger, and who's that guy? You know, it's amazing how how much of a cultural icon this 
tennis player is. She's remarkable, amazing, incredible. She is. Uh, before we wrap things up here, would you like some fun facts about Estonia? Yes, I like Estonia fun facts. Do I want a vacation there first? Well, Randy, the first fun fact is that Estonia has over 2,000 islands. Okay, probably don't. So it's kind of similar to the Maldives. They're not tropical islands. Um, Do you need a boat? It looks like, yes, if it's an island, I would imagine you need You'd a boat to get so, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or a helicopter. Um, here's a fun fact about Estonia. Wife carrying is a sport in Estonia. Okay. Oh, that's an ESPN The Ocho thing. Okay, good. I so like it's, it. It's an Estonian pastime, uh-huh. and um, husbands pick up their wives, and they race several hundred meters with their better halves upside down on their backs with her legs over his neck and shoulders. The track must have two dry obstacles on it and a one meter deep water obstacle. And the wife carried has to be your own. It just can't be a, mm-hmm. a, a random wife that you pick or your neighbors. The wife has to be at least 17 years old. So that suggests that they're mm-hmm. marrying young in Estonia. Well, because they want lighter women to carry. That's why they want smaller people. Now, I have some questions about this. <laughs> As do I. My first question would be, is there a reward for winning said wife-carrying competition? Yes, it's a world championship. Oh, so you just get bragging rights, basically. I'm sure you get some hardware, too. Okay, but if you... I guess my Stand question by. is, is is there enough cash so that if you're a gentleman and a woman, that you scout each other so that you can win this thing on an annual basis. Like, does a woman, a, a smaller woman look for a big, strong guy that can carry her? And does a guy look for a smaller... Is it, is like it you're worth, marrying for the competition. Right. Is it yes. worth it to be married for the competition? That would be my question. I don't know, because after your competing days are over, you're still married. To, well, I guess you could get a divorce. Yeah, you could. A lot of people are doing it. So the length of the track is 253.6 meters. Oh, that's long. Yes. Um, So the only equipment allowed is a belt worn by the carrier and a helmet worn by the carrier. So the woman on the man's back is allowed to wear a helmet, which I would imagine you're banging against his back. Right. So good thing you can protect your head. You could get concussed. I do think this needs to be on the Ocho. This is absolutely a sport that could draw a niche. Oh, they've showed it before. Okay, When ESPN does those crazy stuff. Randy, I do have an answer, though, I think, to your question. Do you want a vacation there? So on the western coast, on the western uh, border of Estonia, Mm -hmm. there are separate from Russia by just a lake. Yeah, you don't want to then. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like they share the lake kind of like we do with some of the Great Lakes with Canada. It's kind of one of those situations. I don't think I really want to. Seems like Poots could attack at yeah, any time. I'm not cool with that. Poots. Uh, final fun fact. Pootie? Yeah, that works. Pootie? I like that better. I like Pootie better. Pootie. It's a nickname. I don't like it. I don't like it one well, bit. I, I don't want to use Vladdy. No, we can absolutely not use Vladdy. Okay. So I got poots. Is poots okay? Is that acceptable? I don't like poots either. Poots, poots. Well, this is something we wanted to be somewhat derogatory about yeah. the guy. Yeah, for Hope sure. Hope he's not listening. He might be. He could poison me. He he. Poots, you can poots. get the app worldwide. I'm just right. saying the one on ESPN app. You can literally yeah. listen from anywhere. And I think they have like software that allows them when somebody says his name. That's to... right. Um, let me give you one more fun fact that ties into good hockey player. the wife carrying. Sure. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. People from Estonia are considered amongst the tallest in Europe. So maybe we should be going there to scout hoops players. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Estonian women have a reputation for being among the world's most beautiful. 
they have a high ratio of international supermodels per capita. It's higher than anywhere else in the world. So not only are these Estonian men looking at these women to potentially win the wife-carrying world championship, but they have all these beautiful and tall women there. I kind of wish now that I would have watched last night's match. She's gorgeous. I I looked her up. I didn't see Annette. Okay, good. Good for her. She and Serena both. Just saying. Hmm. Estonia, who knew? What do you call a woman with no arms, no legs Randy, on a tennis court? Randy, no. Oh. Randy, no. Annette. <laughs> Is that why Serena beat her? <laughs> Randy. Thanks. You're going to get me in trouble before I leave. I know you're trying. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. We are going to head down the stretch. The Cardinals are off today. But we're going to head down the stretch, and uh, we've got what's coming up for you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A couple of apologies. Number one, to anybody named Annette who doesn't have any arms or legs. Number two, we did get a text from the uh, 309. This guy was offended that we didn't air this, and I didn't see it, so that's why oh, I didn't air what it. what happened? But, I didn't see it either. Uh, I close out the text line. Estonia fact. Okay. In disc golf, Kristen Tatar is the number one female disc golfer in the world, and she's from Estonia. Is that true? Number one female disc golfer in the world, Kristen Tatar. Yep, I just looked it up. She is, in fact, leading. She's out in front after day two of the PDGA. I wonder if she looks like a uh, supermodel. Oh, Randy. Well, we heard about all the supermodels that come from there, so. She's. She's cute. She's cute. That's like saying she has a nice personality. Oh. No, she's just. I'm not a, looking at her. I'm sure she's gorgeous. I think she's and a, she's a she's a world class athlete. That's the thing. That's a, an important thing. You know, when you you go to brunch sometimes with the girlfriends and they're telling you about this guy they went on a date with, you're like, how'd the date go? He was nice. That's all you need to know. <laughs> he was nice. He was nice. So that one's over. Is what you're telling me. Saying someone has a good personality or saying they're nice, you would think would be a check mark. But usually it's not. Michelle, you have an Alfredo sauce story for us. I do. An unfortunate story about Alfredo sauce. (laughs) Not a great recipe, if you know what I mean. (laughs) So (laughs) we are just going to be so loose for the next, for the, well, I only have one show left. One show left. So sad. So in Tennessee, a truck, an 18-wheeler, in fact, was carrying hundreds of bottles of Alfredo sauce. The truck crashed and spilled the Alfredo sauce all over I-55. It looked like snow because there was so much Alfredo sauce all over the highway. It was two feet deep in certain places. And that's a lot to clean up. So it caused major traffic jams. And the problem is, is that Alfredo sauce is is sitting there all day while they're trying to, to block the traffic off. You need to get the crew in to clean it up. And while it was sitting there, it is summertime. And we are talking Tennessee. This Alfredo sauce was baking in the sun. Ooh, delicious. No, I think it was pretty disgusting. Oh. I think it didn't smell great. Alfredo sauce on the highway baking in the sun? It might cause somebody to develop a level of disdain for Alfredo sauce that they ordinarily wouldn't have. Like you might say, hey, I'll get that spaghetti with Alfredo sauce. And then after you smell that, you say, I'm done with Alfredo sauce. Probably. And you know, earlier this week, 150,000 tomatoes 
were spilled on on a California interstate. So we're making a hell of a meal here on the highways. Yeah, what's going on with with Italian things here? The tomatoes falling out, the Alfredo sauce, what's going on? Remember the great tragedy a few years ago when the Bud Light truck tipped over? So sad. It was really, people were crying, going out there and crying, literally. Well, that's a big party foul. You can't waste beer like that. It's a tragedy. Matthews. The amount of beer that gets wasted every day. Like like when I was like when I was in college, you, you'd go through after the next morning after a party, you'd just be like, look at all the look at all the wounded soldiers, and it'd just be like hat just pop, pop topped, just completely full. That can, would make me, you know, and I, and I would have a single tear come down come down my cheek. Can I give I you guys it. one late take it or leave it? We we were remiss to bring this up today. Take it or leave it. Even though the Reds lost last night, Cincinnati is thrilled this morning because they never have to see Yadier Molina again. I will take that. And somebody made the point that the Reds fans were chanting Yadi Yadi. It wasn't the Reds fans. It was the Cardinal fans that were chanting Yadi. Just the same people that were going new when Lars yeah. Newbar hit the home run. Those exactly. are not Reds fans. No, People not at in all. Cincinnati are like, thank goodness he is gone. Yeah, they didn't like him. He got in some fights with those guys. Brandon Phillips, lest yeah. we forget. Yeah, Johnny Quito. Yeah, not great, but um, I feel for Reds fans because it's got to be hard to have the same guy tormenting you for two decades. Yeah, it really does. All right, so tomorrow is going to be a big day because it's the last day of Character and Smallman. Yeah. If you aren't aware of it, Michelle is going back to ESPN, going back up to the Northeast. She's going to hang with Greg Amsinger and watch Cardinal games in bars <laughs> in New York City. Facts confirmed. <laughs> yeah, which is a, a great thing. But uh, so tomorrow is going to be, I know it'll be a bittersweet day for you. I just want to know how you're going to mentally prepare. I don't know. I'm, I want to treat it like it's any other show uh-huh. and just come in and do what we do and Good have fun. And then at the end, I wrote a little something and we should probably do uh, what we did for Dick for Meal and put, everybody can text in. Do we have tickets to give away or something? We should have people text in at what, put the timer on my little goodbye speech Uh and see at what point I cry. And the the winner can get a t-shirt because I tried to read through it and I didn't make it very far. So I've never cried on air before. Um, Tomorrow could be a first. We could be making uh, history. Vegas Vegas has the over under at one minute, one second. Ooh, man. (laughs) I'm betting the under there. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's some jokes in there. Some reminiscing of some good times, but I have to say thank you. There's so many people to thank. And tomorrow, hopefully, we will be able to tell you what the next iteration of this show is going to be. I'm going to be here. I got a contract, so I'm going to be here. (laughs) Randy's locked in. He's not going anywhere. Don't you worry. But hopefully tomorrow, uh, and we'll tell you, we'll we'll tweet it and everything. what the announce when the announcement is going to be? Hopefully, we'll be able to do that tomorrow morning, and uh, then we'll just. And I'm off next week, so the new show won't start until after Labor Day week. I'm going to Chicago this weekend to ride in the bike the drive. They closed down Lakeshore Drive, so fun uh, on Labor Day weekend on the Sunday of Labor Day weekend every year, and it's like a thirty mile ride. It's flat. It's easy, but I, I love doing it. It's fun. It's going to be a good time. You're going to have a great time. Um, and I can't wait to announce who your new partner is going to be because I can't wait to listen to it. It's going okay. to be a great pairing and a great show. Well, if we're able to pull it off tomorrow, you can make the official announcement. I hope we could get that person in studio. That's our goal. Because I would love to, maybe I should make a fake torch and I can pass the actual torch. Oh, that'd be you great. Know what I mean? yeah. Maybe I'll, we have these things that cover our microphones and microphone muff. I could pass the microphone. Over. <laughs> That'd be good. So, yeah, hopefully we can get that person on an airplane and get them here and announce something tomorrow for you. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one and only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Michelle, this was fun. It was. It was fun and it was weird, but I loved it. <laughs> and we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis.
You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.